This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Andy monkeys around with multiple Kongs, Dan rides recklessly into the apocalyptic wastes with Mad Max, our old friend Jeffrey Sessions concedes some of the green ground and may be blazing down shortly, it's gonna be May, we take a look at the titles dropping this sweet spring month, Seattle clears the slate judicially, High Times gives us stoners some cutting edge fashion advice, Stardew Valley gets into the group love with some multiplayer farming action and thrilling legislative action in the eu gets our attention as the gaming industry is reined in thanks for that one dan that sucks we'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week so stick around for that because it's going to be a good good time i'm your host andy and with me as always the one the only the litigiously litigational dank dan Purple Dungeon Pod to Flight Deck. Purple Dungeon Pod to Flight Deck. Requesting clearance to blast off Star Lane 6 Gamma. There's Nugs and Demdar Nebula. Ooh, Nugs in the Nebula. Nugs in the Nebula. That's, uh, I think, the title of our first EP, Dan, releasing next next month? That's right. Uh, we got Hip Hop, uh, Dark Jeezy on there, and uh, Fresh Cheeses on them tracks. Fresh Cheeses and Space Jesus. Dan, good to see you, buddy. How you been? Oh, buddy, I've been fresh, fruity, and fly. I got a package in the mail. Oh, goodness. Now, is that your monthly subscription to one of them Men's Interests magazines? I think, it, what is um, it, Me- Men on Men? That was the one, right? Uh, man on Man on Man. Um, right. Because, you know, you need some dimensionality to this thing. It's, wow. it's, a, um, it's, an, interdim- it's an interdimensional uh, science uh, Dr. Mishukaku publication. Well, I won't lie to you, man. What did come through the door is what can only be described as uh, a 24-inch black box. Oh, but as a 24-inch black box. That sounds like exactly right. the kind of thing that you <laughs> that you would ship some sensitive material in. <laughs> so take a deep breath, Andy. We can make this through through this together. Uh, so, but when I when I when I cracked it open, what I found is. Uh, my first shipment from the sweet gentleman at uh, at Broken Coast and ladies, and ladies. That's right. Lots of ladies over there too. Uh, you know, ladies can be gentlemen too. Am I right? Yep. Sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I got I got uh, a nice menagerie of Bud sent to me, and I gotta say, I am oh Dan over- Dan, I sorry dude, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just found your membership card to the Patriarchy over here. Do you want me to FedEx that over? Or? Uh, no, I got extras. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you, still got, you still got your name badge from the convention. Hey, listen, Go Andy, ahead, if you're taking the stance that women can't be men, I feel like that's restrictive, especially gentlemen. I, I feel like we're three minutes into this podcast. Women. I don't oh, want to it's go already, there. It's already oh, a train stop. wreck. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> Please is this continue. A, is this a do-over? <laughs> I mean, it feels like a do-over, but a lot of things in life feel like a do-over. Sometimes you just got to keep on rolling. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Uh, what I received was a menagerie of fine herb, and I gotta say, from the uh, the look to the smell and the the effervescent feel of what's wafting off these containers, I think we're gonna have a good time with this. Oh, Dan got some dank butt in the mail. Good for you, That's buddy. Right. That's fantastic. That's right. So, what what strains did you uh, did you go deep on? Well, I feel like should we not keep it a little bit obfuscated for future uh, reviews, and or should I just come out with it? Let's let's go ahead and keep that a secret. I don't know the O word you said, but it sounded complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. Well, welcome to the Purple Dungeon Squid, my friends. If this is your first time uh, chiming in, you uh, may not have guessed, but this is a show about weed and our uh, our favorite video games, uh, which go together. You know, like peanut butter, jelly, bananas, pickles, all those things in one. If you're high enough, um, and you know, this week we're going to be talking about some interesting gaming and weed related paraphernalia phenomenon. What, what's a good word in this in this situation, Dan? You're our wordsmith. Occurrence? I don't know if occurrence is the right word. I think it, it sounds too electrical for me. Miscellaneous articles. I think, How about I that think one? what you're thinking is a current. <laughs> I don't know. different than occurrence. Ohms, voltage. Happenings. I didn't pay much attention to, uh, you know, to what? Physics? Science. General science. Yeah. Or maybe Same any things. book learning of any kind, perhaps. I mean, listen, you know, you know, who needs book learning when you got the bud? Um, but no, dude, it's uh, it's nice to have you around because I'm actually going to be departing um, in about a week. It won't impact us for about two or three podcasts, but I am heading off to the promised land, buddy. I'm off to Amsterdam. <sighs> That's a big step. That's it's a, a big, big step. step. It's a big step. And for a, for a bud aficionado such as myself, uh, homeland of Sensi Seeds, some of the finest in the space, I'm looking forward to, uh, to heading down there and, and uh, yeah, chuffing a couple bones, needless to say. So how long are you in Amsterdam? I'm there for like four days. It's a, it's a business-related incident. <laughs> but um, Incident. It's, it's, yeah, occurrence. I don't know. We're going back to the words again. But it's a, it's a business trip, and I'm excited to be there for the business, but I'm also excited to be there for the not business. Uh, well said. Uh, now, when I do get uh, the Taken-style phone call, uh, and I have to threaten them with a specific set of skills that I may or may not possess, any tips on how to find you? Any breadcrumbs you're going to be leaving for me? Well, I mean, first things first, the safe word will be pomplamoose. Okay. Right. Um, so you get up, you get a pomplamoose call, and remember, I'm eight hours ahead of you. you you're gonna have to be up on that. Uh, mm, secondly, mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's really much you can do, but uh, you know, remember me. Remember me. Remember you. Uh, fair enough. I'll, I'll make sure that uh, that all your affairs are in order. Yes, because uh, you know the number one thing is I'm gonna have to blast your cash. Blast my cash. Oh, blast the browser. Browser <laughs> you know, history. Please. To borrow, to borrow something from my brother, my brother and me, you'll come to me in a ghostly apparition hovering over my bed and you'll be like, Dan, blast my cash. <laughs> Everyone blast has to have that one friend, that one friend who knows, despite all of the tragedies surrounding an untimely death, the first and only priority many would think is to clear that history. 
blast out those cookies, get that cash on wipe down. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a continuance of of maybe generations gone by. Like, you know, if if your friend untimely, uh, and if you're close enough friends, your friend passes away before anything else, before notifying next of kin, you immediately kick the door into his bedroom, grab the uh, unmarked uh, cardboard box that is a little bit too well-worn, you burn it in the backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about the age before print? What what happens in that instance? I don't know. Uh, may, may <laughs> Smear my cave drawings, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> that, that buffalo is looking a little bit too excited. Ooh, goodness. Please take out the stained glass window in my in my uh, chapel. It's got some lewd things on it. Um, Dan, what have you been up to over the past week, buddy? Got some gaming in? Did a little uh, smoking? I did. I did. I dipped. I've dipped into a couple uh, titles that I'll be uh, talking a little bit uh, uh, downcast. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, other than that, uh, not a lot going on. What about yourself? So I had a revelation this week, and you know, here's the thing. I love smoke. My favorite thing to smoke out of is my little Sherlock pipe. I've got a little Cheech and Chong Sherlock pipe here. Um, love it to pieces. It's got a built-in ash catcher, which blows my mind every time because I never get ash in my mouth. It's got a little honeycomb screen, this glass honeycomb screen inside of it, so I'm not smoking off of aluminum. It's pretty much my favorite thing of all time, and I also feel like a dignified sir smoking out of a Sherlock Holmes-style pipe, right? Um, and there's just this like semi-acrid taste that my weed has when I'm smoking it out of this pipe, and I've been trying to figure out what in the hell is the deal because smoking it through a bong no issue even on a joint no issue it's specifically this pipe cat urine yeah there's that there's that element for sure i've realized that it's the lack of using a hemp wick it is indeed the butane from my lighter that i'm tasting through this pipe and i know this because last night i was out of uh, of lighters i don't know where they went inevitably stolen by smokers um and I had to go ahead and light a match on the element. You know, everyone's everyone's done that at least once. Uh, and as I'm lighting my bowl, all I can't get over the sensation that the weed that I'm smoking tastes a vastly different from how it tasted the night before, and b is just about 300% more pleasant. So the first, like the number one thing that I'm planning on picking up in the near future for my uh, for my smoking hobby here is hemp wicks. Have you used them before? Do you know what a hemp wick is? Yeah, I, I certainly have. You got that hemp that's been dipped in beeswax. And, ah, you know, yes. I, I looked into this and, you know, the, there's like this myth that I've heard again and again and again, which is like, oh, it's, you know, the taste of the butane, you know, and, and maybe it is a little bit, but butane is the colorless, odorless, tasteless gas mm. when it's been purified. You know, it, okay. it, it's it's something that you get in the gas uh, refinement, the oil refinement process. But if it's, it's been properly refined, there should be no problems. It seems that some of that, uh, that uh, acrid taste has to do with burning your flour at a temperature um, beyond the optimal point. Um, oh. And if I can make an, a comparison um, that is probably not apt on a biochemistry level, uh, it's like steeping your coffee too long. You get you don't get the optimal flavor profile. And what's nice about that hemp wick is it burns cooler, slower, uh, and you you sort of get to render more of those tasty, flavorful terpenes into the old uh, mouthpiece. And uh, that sounds like a good time, doesn't it? It does. I wanted to give you some shit about giving me a Bill Nye-esque rundown on that whole thing, mm-hmm. but actually just- I'm ready. just. Very valuable information, Dan. Thank you. I know. I, listen, that's a golf. That's a gen- generous golf clap. In the if it makes there. you feel better, you can admonish me about something else further down the line. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many things to choose from, so we'll get there. I jest, I jest, my good friend. Um, Did you see what our old boy, our old boy's been up to? You know, you know the guy. Our Our, our old sweet Beauregard. Oh, Mr. JBS, which sounds like a, which sounds like some sort of digestive issue. (laughs) It does. You should seek, seek your doctor about uh, cures for JBS that involved relaxing and maybe having a toke. (laughs) Jowly bowel syndrome. (laughs) Jowly. <laughs> Nailed in one. Ten points. Mm, ten points to Gryffindor. Um, yeah, so our good man, Jeffrey Sessions, eternal crusader against uh, <laughs> against weed and cannabis and all things uh, groovy, um, has had a rough go the past couple weeks. First, his old boy Donald. His old boy Donald decided to side with uh, our good friend, the Colorado senator. Not a good friend. Uh, I mean, good, good man, but... I mean, maybe he's a listener. Friend um, of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> Dear friend of the show. Uh and maybe you can give me the rundown because I read this thing and my eyes rolled into the back of my head, Dan. What, 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 did, uh, what did Jeffrey get down on? So, uh, you know, at a get ready for it at a Senate Appropriations, Commerce, Justice and Science subcommittee. Uh, oh. Jeffrey made a shocking revelation that there well may be some benefits from medical marijuana. Really? Jeffrey. Mm, wow. Bold statement, Jeffrey. Now. Understand that the the government's through line, especially um, much of uh, of Mr. Uh, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions' side of the government, the Republican side, has been mostly that marijuana is a Schedule One substance, which means the FDA has uh, deemed that it be uh, classified with other drugs that are have no medicinal application, are highly addictive. Sure. Um, and you ask yourself, why would Jeffrey, possibly the most staunch uh, opponent to uh, medical and recreational marijuana, be saying this? Well, it just so happens that two of the FDA's um, recommendation committees have put forth that um, uh, some uh, cannabinoid-based drugs that are designed to stop seizures in children um, you know, sh- they recommend the appropriation and the approval by the FDA. What that would mean is it would be one big step forward to saying that, well, perhaps uh, we have to reclassify uh, cannabis because that's clearly uh, a-, a approved medical application. So Jeff is almost uh, uh, conceding that ground before it's taken from him. <laughs> Like he's uh, just casually, casually conceding that one. Yeah. So yeah, medical marijuana may be a benefit there. And uh, you know, women's votes count too. Thanks Jeffrey for that insightful, insightful element. We've known for years that, um, uh, uh, medical marijuana can stop children from violently seizing up to a hundred times a day. And only now is he's like, ma, perhaps I will give it to you. That child has a laugh now. And Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for uh, for rolling on over to the light. And I'll be the first one to say, Jeffy, Jeffy, friend. Um, on, there's man. a lot of come on. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why uh, you know why we've clashed in the past. But I'm always down for a session. I'm always down for a session with sessions. So you know, call up your old pal Andy. I'd be happy to introduce you to the wonders of Herb. That podcast uh, segment writes itself. So get on down. We're happy to have you, Jeff. That podcast segment also gains us about 100,000 subscribers overnight. So, Jeff, please. I mean, listen, please. buddy. I'll hook you up, man. You know what I'm saying? We got room for you. We got room. We got room. And I t- um, I'll tell you, you can even pitch private prisons, why they're so great and why everyone's going to love them. We can talk about all of the right-wing crazy shit you want to talk about. Just come on down and we'll do it over a joint. It'll be way more fun. 
We'll have a great time. We'll have a good time. So Infinity War came out. I, bad segue, but I'm so excited about it. I had to jump into it. Speaking of the war on drugs, Infinity of, War came out. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. That was a nice segue. Maybe, Thanks, maybe you take over segues for this, uh, for this podcast. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Dan taking over segues. <laughs> but yes, Infinity War has hit theaters to critical acclaim. Um, and I wanted to jump into this for a couple reasons. It was only like two weeks ago that you and I were having a casual conversation um, about how much I hated Marvel. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've just, yeah. I've been hating on Marvel for the longest time. You know, it, it feels like Marvel over DC has so many eye-rolling, semi-vapid, one-dimensional characters. Um, the Hulk, I've got a real hard-on of hate for the Hulk. And for some reason, Infinity War hit theaters, and I actually didn't know about the whole... What is it? Series, series 1, Series 2, Phase 1, Phase 2? Yeah, it's kind of like how um, they planned out the um, sort of uh, series of films and how they would come out. So they 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 set them out in phases and and they sort of uh, they planned it pretty far in, in advance. Kevin Feige, yeah, like um, ten years in it, advance. Yeah, absolutely. They had a really clear uh, direction of where they're going now. There's been some uh, stuff that's been written in pencil that they've erased. Um, they may have hastily erased a, an, in, an entry that says uh, Inhumans. Mm. Um, they they made that, that TV show slash movie and it, it, it tanked so hard that they just pretended like it never happened. Yeah, I mean, so just to roll back a little bit. This Infinity War coming out, and then the revelation to me, again, not a stalwart Marvel fan, I've seen a couple of the movies that have come out over the past few years, and some are good, and some are, some are okay, um, but the idea that they've been slowly building up over, I don't know what, almost 20 movies at this point, several TV series on Netflix, to Infinity War, which is drawing upon a ton of these different, different movies for, uh, for continuity, instantly flipped me on my head in terms of where I was at with the Marvel universe. Cause listen, DC, you got Batman and those are, those are some good movies, but this is some epic shit. So my wife and I actually have been sitting down and starting from the beginning of this, of this series of Marvel movies. We started with captain America and you know what? I've just, I've got this appreciation going on right now for Marvel makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. You know, I feel like maybe we could be friends again. No, I, I mean, it, it's great of you to come around. Uh, and, you know, like even for all its misses, they've really been sort of refining their art and sort of getting more comfortable with telling the types of stories they're telling. Uh, and, you know, given a couple bombs, most of them outside of the Marvel Studios, like, I don't know about you, but I was... Uh, Spider-Man is one of my favorite characters. He's a great character, a lot of great stories, uh, mostly dealing with his inner conflicts, um, and you know, the Venom storyline. But I think... Uh, God loves Sam Raimi. He gave us Evil Dead, but the Sony uh, Spider-Man releases were a little bit uh, shaky. They're on shaky ground for me. They they you know broke open the possibility of having superhero movies, but they weren't my favorite. Right. You know, I, I haven't I haven't seen the Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man's actually never been my favorite superhero. If we're talking about the pantheon of Marvel, um, Captain America. Again, uh, one of my one of my good favorites, Iron Man. I mean, who doesn't love uh, little Tony Stark? Uh, and I actually love Moon Knight, who's a lesser known Marvel character, but no Deep less. Uh, Getting your nerd credit. It is. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know what it is about Moon Knight, but uh, he's he's definitely got it going. Oh, and Black Panther. I've been a Black Panther fan for a long time. Love the Black Panther. You're um, you're, you're one black superhero friend, but I mean that said, uh, you now. know uh, the uh, Spider Man uh, sort of foibles broke away for you know X Men to do 
his thing and them to sort of figure out what the, the sort of the tone of those movies can be. And I would venture to say the most recent Spider-Man was, you know, really good, totally worth a watch. What, what was the most um, recent Spider-Man? Spider-Man Homecoming um, with our with our the newest Spider-Man, third in the series of recent Spider-Mans, uh, uh, Tom Holland. Uh, I a young- had no idea that there was new Spider-Mans being released. Wow. Yeah, buddy. They and uh, Sony has sort of rented out. See, Sony owns Spider-Man, and Marvel basically owns everybody else. You know, except for X-Men, right? Well, they just they've just actually Disney bought Fox, so Fox owned the X-Men, so they're kind of being pulled into the fold as well. So the movies in production for the X-Men side will be interesting to see what happens to them. Uh, But you know, Sony has leased out Spider-Man to the Marvel family as well, so that's how they're all able to come together for Civil War and now uh, the Infinity War. Right. Um, You know, so good things are happening. It's been it's been quite a collaboration and a huge money maker. I think the Marvel movies all put together have made about to the chime of fifteen billion dollars that's 15 b's 15 b's in the he's um yeah that's it's super impressive and you know what i think here you know growing up not a lot of superhero movies going on i think it was around the early maybe mid 2000s when you started seeing like the x-men movies coming out and they were they were they were doing some things that were impressive but now you've got new super superhero movie releases coming out every single year and i feel i've gotten bit by the bug i gotta admit i'm i think i'm i think i'm in so we'll we'll see how this progresses um did you not watch batman 89 when it came out and then batman returns sure sure of course of course. Right, I mean, right. I had the McDonald's toys. I had the whole thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite superhero game, Dan? Because like, I, I, as I'm going through this Marvel uh, universe rekindling, I'm starting to look at some of the video games that are on the table for me to kind of further jump into the world of comic books as they are realized by the graphical and digital medium. Uh, and I, I'm drawing a blank a little bit. There's the obvious Batman uh, Arkham series which is critically acclaimed and, and very well done. And I know that you're a big fan, right? Yeah, and you know, there's some great games that have come out recently and, you know, uh the 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 Take 2 and the 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 um uh the the guys that have done uh the Batman series have been great, but I mean, even going back a long way, there's some great superhero games. There's the uh Infinity Gauntlet uh, Marvel Marvel game which is like the precursor to Marvel versus Capcom. And, you know, rewind to me in the local bowling alley, you know, pumping quarters into this, uh, this X-Men on, you know, on, uh, on X-Men uh, Street Fighter style, you know, right. uh, fighting game. Just amazing. Uh, you know, um, uh, Wolverine was my character and the graphics blew me away. It was hours spent in front of this rig. Sure, we're talking about a fighting game, and yeah, I feel that. You know, Marvel versus Capcom is definitely a uh, definitely a classic. It feels like though, outside of Marvel versus Capcom, which is of course, uh, although experiencing a little bit of a lull right now, I think that the most recent entry um, kind of fell by the wayside in, in lieu of uh, Dragon Ball's Fighter Z, which is pretty. Now, cool. Let me be let me be clear. I'm not talking about Marvel versus Capcom. I'm talking about Marvel superheroes Infinity Gauntlet. So it's, it was Marvel only. No one had dreamt up the Marvel versus Capcom yet. This is the first. I see. The first step into it. And the gimmick of this game is you could um, uh, harness one of the uh, the Infinity Gems uh, right. and do it like these special moves. And at the end, you you had a showdown with Thanos. So, uh, and it's great to see that carried forward into a movie um, 
you know, representation now. And Thanos from this game looks a ton like Thanos in the movie. And I love that. I love that through line. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, yeah, but it, it, you know, it does seem like outside of, I suppose that game, although again, I'm not particularly familiar, but outside of Marvel versus Capcom and the Batman series, there's not a ton of like super critically acclaimed superhero games. Like, let's take a look at what uh, what Games Radar has to say. Their number one game on the uh, on the the superhero uh, spectrum is Arkham Knight. So fine, fair enough. Their number two game is Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Three. Fine. Number three is The Incredible Hulk: Ultimate Destruction. Uh, that was on PS2. So ways back, and it's it's impressive that it makes the number three cut. And I don't know if that's to say that um, there's kind of a dearth of other really good superhero games, or if it just genuinely was a blast. I don't, did you play this one? Um, I think I played a little bit of it. I feel like it was forgettable. Uh, you know, I gotta throw it all the way back to uh, the Super Nintendo Batman Returns. And sure. If you ever want to know what how Batman would do in final fight you have your answers right there it's basically like a a palette swap for your your favorite uh, final fight game as a side scrolling beat em up and i think it couldn't have been executed any better it's got uh, the influence of the tim burton movies right uh, you know the dark clowns the long batmobile and uh you know you get his fire his fighting prowess and the gadgets all in tow um so you get to wreck face through the streets of gotham and uh you know, that's something I can get on board with. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny because um, superhero, the superhero pantheon and the the huge number of characters that you can draw on, you would expect that you would see more really popular, prolific titles, um, you know, from the Marvel Universe, etc. Like the number one Marvel Universe video game that I can find is number eight down on the list, and that's Lego Marvel Superheroes. So I don't know if it's like, maybe it's a licensing thing that we haven't seen a ton of super memorable um, Marvel or, or even DC outside of Batman video games. Like, I, I just... It's crazy because you've got a superhero for just about every flavor and theme from like subtlety and espionage and, you know, your Batman or, or your indeed your Moon Knight, right? Um, to your Deadpools, just a little more action fueled. You've got the X-Men, which would be an incredible, you know, incredible IP to do a really fleshed out game around. Yeah, you could go on and on and on. Like it, if you had your if you had your pick, if you had your pick of a superhero property to be turned into a stellar triple A video game game maybe open world maybe just super cinematic and story filled and and you know action based whatever what would it be you know it, it, man it's it's hard to put a big heart around a character and say i wish it was this guy because they did batman and they did him justice uh, right pardon the pun and and they you know they really they really gave me everything i could want in that you know very little was left on the vine I'd love to see a great X-Men game, um, you know, but the challenge with the X-Men, and if you remember, there was a, an X-Men uh, game in 93 that came out for Sega. The challenge is, is that the X-Men are not all created equal, you right. know, and, uh, you know, so there's there's a few of them that you can play live and a couple of them that you can call in as support, you know, but they're always nerfing, uh, you know, the characters. It's like, if you did Wolverine right... Uh, he'd be nigh unkillable because all his damage would heal. And, you know, the way they address this is, 
you know, I, I believe he didn't regenerate his health and he could only have his claws out for so long. And he's like, that's enough claws for me. <laughs> I, I mean, to, yeah, that's, to that's put an, those away. Yeah, I think that's like a, that's a constraint of imagination. Cause you've got, you know, infinite comic books and video ga- or sorry, infinite ca- comic books and, um, you know, movies at this point with Wolverine where they do the character justice and find ways to put him in precarious situations. Now, yeah, maybe that's a challenging thing to do in the confines of a video game, but even Batman, I mean, yes, Bruce Wayne is far more vulnerable than a Wolverine, for example, given that he has no, you know, inherent, uh, superpowers other than being very strong and having a lot of gadgets. I, st- I just I feel like you could take Wolverine and find ways to threaten the guy in a video game. Um, it's it's fascinating to me that there's not, you know, a uh, a, a pillar Wolverine video game that's that's got the same kind of mainstream appeal as Arkham Knight. It's actually mind-blowing to me that that's not the case. You know, I recall that there was a PS2 spawn game and I also recall it being a train wreck. Oh, but I mean, that's, I think, yeah, for sure. I think a great spawn game would be neat. Um, and I think you could have a good uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ensemble. I think that would be a fun sort of uh, couch co-op beat-em-up. Yeah, oh, yeah, guarantee. Oh, sorry, I did uh, I did stumble across Mar- Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, um, mm-hmm. which I believe is, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of along the lines of what I was, uh, what I was saying. Um, it's a, that's, that's a little bit more of an, I think it's isometric, is it? Or that's right. Top down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like a dungeon crawler beat up except with Marvel characters, which are, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm into that. Um, but yeah, a really strong, like first, not sorry, not first person, but a really strong single character narrative driven game, like an Arkham Knight, but that features, no different than a comic book, right? You know, a comic book that's that's centered around one character. I feel like is a really great, um, a really great thing for a video game to draw upon. So, you know, hopefully, you never know. With all with all the love around Marvel right now, we may see uh, we may see some um, Infinity War games coming out or inspired by. We'll see. I think I think the challenge for for a game developer is with your really powerful characters, how do you represent their power in a way that makes sense? There was a a disastrous 64 game with Superman and there was so much draw distance problems. There's like green fog everywhere. And you know, how do you give, uh, you know, the man of steel his due, you know, who can, you know, fly faster than this. I'm sorry. You can't, you you can't, you like, like Superman has got to be the worst superhero of all time. You know, well, when, mean, when you have I to mean, boil down, I mean, bite your tongue, but I, I get it. Like, and I get it. You know, you can play off of anyway, this is not a, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a comic book podcast, but let me just, let me just give you my, my super Superman piece here. His weaknesses are kryptonite, which is challenging to write in until you start putting kryptonite in all of the villains. And you oh, know, there's the, like 55 different colors of kryptonite now. Yeah, oh no, oh, it's yeah. rainbow kryptonite, rainbow kryptonite. Oh no, teal kryptonite, the deadliest of all kryptonites. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the foibles of human emotion, right? And oh, the people who are close susceptible to susceptible to magic, susceptible to magic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a scenario where in a comic book you can make Superman interesting because you can play off of that. Like, yeah, he's the man of steel, but there's all these human elements and the people who are close to him. And those are vulnerabilities. And I get it in a video game. doesn't really, doesn't really work out. doesn't, it all kind of comes down. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And I, I think that that makes it. So there's a couple choice superheroes that make, uh, you know, 
good picks for video games. That's why you get Spider-Man again and again because, you know, it's easy to put. It's not easy, but it's doable to put web-slinging, you know, in a title. Uh, you know, you got your buildings, your streets, he goes swinging, you try to make it satisfying. And, uh, you know, apart from that, it's it's some uh, web combat action and some acrobatics. And I think that's something you can wrap your head around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think that the the kind of nimble, non um, super enhanced or super mutant style ba- or, uh, uh, characters like your Batman is a, is a classic example. You know, you could, you could you could make an argument for a Deadpool. Wolverine would be good, except for the whole regeneration thing. But you know, he still gets he gets still gets messed up from time to time. Old Logan and his uh, his gnarly sideburns. Um, yeah, you know, Green Lantern, I feel like could be a cool one. You've got that interdimensional thing working for you. You know, that's, that's a neat device to get you around into different spots. Well, Green Lantern falls into the same problems as like Doctor Strange. When the guy's superpowers, he can make anything he can think, you know, it's hard for, uh, you know, a game to capture that because the the width and the breadth of what he can come up with is... You know, anything. It, it has to... Then you're into, like, a Scribblenaut situation. Yeah, unless you, uh, you know, unless you make it a multiplayer game and then you'll just have 300 Green Lanterns roaming around with big, big wieners on their hands. Because mm-hmm. you the put fall enough... of man. You put the enough gamers in a room, <laughs> they will find a way to make a dick. Oh... Anyhow, so yeah, Superman, or pardon me, superhero games. Um, I'm looking at you to come out with something that uh, that will wow me. Um, and yeah, I feel like I feel like another Marvel game that really kind of capitalizes on the full, ca- like just the enormous cast of characters that Marvel has access to. It's 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 kind of a no brainer. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. I've Dan, I've recently rediscovered the best munchie of all time. We're gonna head into the uh, into the meat of the episode, but I have to tell you, when was the last time you had a straight up greasy assed grilled cheese sandwich you know andy we have a a specific part of the podcast dedicated to munchies how is this happening i know i so this past weekend i sat down and you know uh, had a nice had a nice bowl and was sitting to myself thinking what is the most delicious thing i could put in my mouth in this moment let me tell you two two little sheets of process highly processed cheese two pieces (laughs) of wonder bread and uh, here's the secret to an amazing grilled cheese sandwich. You put some mayo on the outside. You don't fry it in butter. You fry it in mayonnaise. Let me crisp tell you. That, crisp that sucker ooh, up. Ooh, just delicious. Just molten hot cheesy goo in your mouth all the way on down. <coughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, Danny, now for our sponsors. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weedon Video Games. Weedon Video Games. This is the 19th episode a purple dungeon squid. Indeed, next episode will be our 20th. We've got something exciting planned for you. I don't know what it is yet, Dan. We should start, start thinking of something. We should actually plan something. We should really plan something. But um, video games and weed, we salute you. It will uh, it will not be forever that you are our sole sponsors, but for now, for now it is. Um, this episode is also brought to you by Damp Pants. Because you've been sitting on the couch too long and you got excited. Damp Pants. <laughs> Brought to you by touching a controller with Cheeto fingers. Coming fresh to you at your local game store, hand wipes for your Cheetos. Keep those controllers looking spiffy. Ooh, brought to you by half-naked Twitch streamers. Oh, what do you mean the jumping jacks are going to expose your breasts? Maybe you should buy faulty breast tape. That's right, faulty breast tape. Now you have an excuse. It's not your fault. 
faulty breast tape. I'm yeah, sorry. It's like the double sided tape that's made of like a wish and a promise. Buddy, I, I gotta I gotta give it to you. You're like you're like nine out of ten. <laughs> you're like nine out of ten for these uh for these ad lib sponsors. That one I think you may have just may have just uh stumbled over your breast tape. There you go. <laughs> Brought to you by hating on millennials. I'm gonna steal from a tweet, the best one of the year. Damn millennials walking around like they rent the place. <laughs> Well done. Fun fact, the uh, the average junior condo in Toronto requires a six-figure income to afford. So good luck, millennials, on owning anything ever. Sorry, uh, millennials, you don't have enough experience for this entry-level position. Yes, sir. Enjoy a free unpaid internship for the next decade. Uh, brought to you by trying to cast Frostbolt, but spamming chat instead. One, 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 exclamation mark, exclamation mark, one, one, one release and finally brought to you by going out for dinner at ikea because nothing says let's put this furniture together like really spicy farts <laughs> if you want to actually sponsor the show feel free to email us at purple at gmail.com until then you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense i'll ad lib us both into the next world <laughs> welcome to the jungle Welcome to the jungle. Dan, play some video games this week? You know I did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, I'm sure you played plenty of video games because uh, I believe it's contractually obligated by the fact that we run a video game podcast. Yeah, and there there's some serious clauses in there. There's there's things about removal of pinky toes. It gets, it gets rough around section four. Yeah, I mean, and listen, know that I'd never enforce the pinky toe clause, but it's there just to keep you in check. Yeah, keep me flying straight and and uh, and racking hours in. Yes, like a good like a good little podcaster, um, dude. I spent some time doing a little blast of the past. So you know we've been when we first started this podcast. I don't know that we anticipated going as deep into new releases as we have been recently. It's right. funny because like in the pursuit of being a legitimate video game podcast, we spent a lot of time you know, reading a lot of video game news and listening to other video game podcasts. And so generally we're exposed to the new, the new, new, the latest hotness. And what that ends up, what ends up uh, coming out of that is buying a whole lot of new games and playing them yeah. for an alarmingly short amount of time, or at least on, in my experience. Anyway, I know that you're uh, you're a little bit more diehard than myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I Bruce Willis, this thing, whenever possible. I know it's funny because, you know, we've talked about prior to Purple, Purple Dungeon Squid, we talked about video games a good lot. And I feel like, you know, we came into this podcast and I just kept playing video games at the same rate I was playing them before. You've doubled down in a Herculean effort of playing the shit out of some video games. And to that, Dan, this episode, I'm going to go ahead and salute you. Yes, I knew it. Nice? Yeah. Eventually, I can die happy. I yes. get happy. And you know what? You know, man, you're 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 right, but it's it's a labor of love. Yeah, well, isn't it just though? Isn't it just? So is doing this podcast with you. And I emphasis on the love part. Aw. Aw, isn't that nice? You thought I was gonna go a different way with it, but I didn't. I did. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, you were certain. I clenched I clenched for it. For I the inevitable your, body blow. I could hear your clenching. I could hear your clenching. Well, enjoy the uh, the warm fuzzies, Dan. They won't last long. Ah. <sighs> Anyhow, um, back to the back to the plot. <laughs> um, so, mm -hmm, go ahead. Mm, I love it when we talk over each other. Sorry, so, I, I wanted to roll it back a little bit and and take a take a step back from the inevitable treadmill of new video games and uh, 
you know what's com- what is coming out speaking of new video games is Donkey Kong uh, oh what the hell is it called Tropical Freeze Tropical Freeze yeah yeah originally out on the Wii U but I don't think anyone bought that thing uh, so basically a new title right we can agree yeah in spirit anyway um, so yeah. that's that's coming out this month and DK is like D- DK is my wife's favorite game of all time she is the lady's got good taste i mean listen i married her for a reason right um and you know i mean she's she's an og donkey kong player from way back uh the super nintendo donkey kong as as you will know i'm not a i'm a sega genesis kid right i wasn't a snes kid so it was it was she actually who introduced me to the wonderful world of donkey kong um and angel an angel really genuinely speaking but you know so i wanted to i wanted to roll back and do a little bit of a little bit of a time cap Capsule on Donkey Kong over the past week, and it's been fun. It's been a good time. I've spent some time with uh, with DK sixty four. Uh, I've spent some time with Donkey Kong Country World uh, on SNES, and I've also jumped into the Wii title Donkey Kong Country Returns. Played any of them, Dan? Yeah, you know uh, Donkey Kong Country was a big one uh, for myself, and uh, one of my favorite games on on the SNES, and and really kicked off a, a legacy of gaming that I see you've been walking the straight and narrow on. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's not actually a ton of Donkey Kong titles recently. Like, there's some offshoots. I think the the last main... Um, well, I mean, Tropical Freeze was the last, uh, let's call it, mainstream... How, how would you put it? Like... Um, like main line, like main console release. Yeah, like a, like exactly, like a like a main console release was DK Tropical Freeze, and that was in 2014. So it was a little while ago, uh, and not widely played. So you know, it's it's interesting because DK is a platforming constant, right? It's really the only other game I can think of, or the only other IP that's still a platformer that has the same level of longevity as, of course, Mario, which is the gold standard. And so, what's neat about Mario? is they've continued to to produce games that are both 2D and 3D. Like Super Mario Odyssey just came out recently as a 3D platformer. I honestly can't think of like a mainstream 3D platformer that's come out in, I don't know, 10 years or more that has had the level of success that Mario um, Mario Odyssey has had. Maybe the Galaxy titles, but even still, like those two, those were, were certainly not as popular as, as Odyssey. So it's neat that Mario's like the only property that's really still doing 3D platformers. But DK64, having d- dived into that game again, it actually makes me yearn for more of these games because while DK did DK 64 and jumped right back into 2d games with these two re-releases, um, boy, did DK 64 have some legs. What do, what do you prefer, Dan? Like, uh, like a 2d or a 3d vibe? What, what's your, what's your preference? From, for my platformers, the third dimension does no one any favors. Uh, really? I mean, whether it be uh, Banjo Kazooie or Spyro the Dragon, dude, hold or, your tongue. Um, now I'm gonna I'm going deep on this one. Yeah, I mean, I remember the jarring Jesus. reality that was um, Bubsy Bubsy 3D, just like a vomit-inducing Fine. action. Yeah, yeah okay, and dude. Mean, but there's Daikatana too, right? You're not gonna write off the FPS fucking genre. Like, really, yeah, Banjo Kazooie is burning. At the if, stake. If I had to like light a, a a gaming like platform style on fire, the 3D platform um, could go uh, completely. I don't think I think we would lose more bad than good. Um, 
you know and i mean there's some notable uh, wow. exceptions I, I enjoyed um some crash bandicoot um you could make your an argument that you know uh ocarina of time was a type of platformer but obviously not straight down the middle um you know i gotta give it mm. to the standard donkey kong country sort of 2.5 uh, dimensional sort of action. I think I think you get everything you need there, and and uh, it isn't vomit inducing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ocarina of Time is a 3D platformer. I feel like Heresy is the only <laughs> is the only answer to that. Heresy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't. I, I don't it. think that's I a thing. It. I don't think that's a thing. Like, and listen. I agree with you. I pref- I generally prefer a 2D platformer with some notable exceptions, one of which is Banjo-Kazooie. I can't believe you've burnt that one at the stake. That game is a classic if there's ever been a classic. But, you know, what's the thing about a 3D platformer is you get a greater sense of the level that you're in. Like, think about any 2D platformer you've ever played. The level doesn't really come through as strongly as the platforming elements, right? It doesn't matter if you're whatever in the jungle or on a beach or in a in a cave or in you know in a volcano. The level itself, there's less of a vibe and more of like a what is this what is this thing going to throw at me in terms of mechanics? When you're in a level, when you're in a, a platforming level like Banjo Kazooie did, dude, like did you play Banjo Kazooie all the way through? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, clearly not. Did you play DK64? Um, I think I looked at it and I go, you know what this reminds me of? Banjo Kazooie. Shut your mind. This dude, I, I honestly can't believe this. This is this is one of your one of your gaming blind spots, one of the few ones. So you just haven't gone deep on almost like any of the classic 3D platformers then. Now I, I mean you could look at it and you say, Hey, there's Dank Dan's blind spot, or you can look at it as I looked over there and I said no, thank you, sir. Ah, oh, fair enough. But uh, you know, when you get into a level in a three D platformer You've got, you still got the same kind of, uh, how can I put it? The same kind of playground esque level design. They're not going for for realism. Whether you're in DK 64's like desert level, the like Gobi desert level, you're not you're not dealing with some sort of you know realistic civilization, you know, uh, emulating world. But you still get a really strong vibe out of it. There's some centerpieces there, and you're solving puzzles in real time. It's just a totally different feel than like a 2D game. The Is secret- the vibe like? A bunch of developers put some things in some space and you went and did them. Is that the vibe? Well, I mean, the vibe is that there's puzzles and secrets that are complex and interesting to solve are based around these centerpieces that ooze the vibe of the level that they're placed in there, Captain Smartass. Um, Touche. Touche, mon frey. You know, Banjo-Kazooie, case in point, the, the, uh, the winter level in that game is probably one of the most nostalgic experiences I have as a child. It's it's whimsical. There's a little winter village. There's a giant snowman. And none of that shit is particularly realistic or even makes sense from the perspective of a world. But the vibe that I get out of that world is there's no I can't recall a level in Super Mario World on Super Nintendo or even Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo that has ever given me the vibe of a level like Banjo-Kazooie did, right? I don't know. It feels more like a, an adventure. It's an adventure game, basically. Yeah, I, I don't know. When it comes to vibes, I always felt like those all those worlds felt really, uh, despite being three-dimensional, two-dimensional. They felt painted up. They felt draw-by-numbers. They felt restrictive. And compared to, you know, the temple levels in, in Donkey Kong Country 
or the underwater levels, you know, it, it, the music, the ambiance, the touch and the feel, they all felt so engrossing and I'm pulled right in there and they just have, they're so thick with, you know, when you, the difference between when you're on a minecart level, um, you know, or the overland jungle level, they all have their own little vibe and I, I it really cues me in and maybe this is nostalgia talking, but I, yeah. it just couldn't, it couldn't carry me over to these, these later titles. Like I'm like, What's the deal with the bird in that backpack? Is that a voluntary thing or what's nah, the deal? Well, I mean, if you're talking about a character perspective, fine. But, you know, they're just they're actually fundamentally different games. You're dealing with more of a Twitch-based situation in a side-scrolling platformer and like a 2D platformer. You know, it's it's a lot more muscle reflex as opposed to when you're dealing with a 3D platformer. You've got you to account for the camera, which is a bit of an issue. Like DK64, the camera is just atrocious, right? Like it's there just, you go. It's a bad situation. But if, when yeah, you get you a when fight you, with it. Right. And when you get around it, it's it's not bad. And, you know, you can still get into that world and, and there's some reflex stuff going on. But by and large, it's not the level of twitch detail that you get down to when you're playing a tightly controlled 2D platformer. But I don't know, like like messing around in DK64, smoking a little bit of herb, um, getting a sense of the different characters. Like it, it's just it's going back to a time that games were just fundamentally different, you know, like just even unlocking the characters and the abilities that those characters have in DK64 for example you can unlock a bunch of the uh, the monkey crew like Lanky Kong for example is this super mobile kind of handstandy dude um, Diddy can jump really high that's kind of his thing and unlocking the characters is is almost akin to a you know to a Zelda game or a, or an adventure game but still has this really satisfying platforming element so I don't know I really I really enjoyed jumping into that game so there's there's no 3d platformers you enjoyed none Mario I mean, 64 I, <clears throat> I mean Mario 64 gets this weird pass because it's the only game that I had and maybe that's what hurt the future 3d platformers that I came across because I'm like I had played Mario 64, you know, to death and I'm I just I think it had enough. And like I feel bad uh, even kind of um uh, poo-pooing these games cuz I'm so clear that this is some people's favorites. Like if right. you Google Banjo-Kazooie, the autocomplete on Google is is the best game in the world. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's a little extreme, but Banjo-Kazooie, I remember before I got my Nintendo 64, right? Um Nintendo 64 had just come out and that was when, you know, at a time in my life when getting a video game console was a Christmas event, right? It's not it's yeah, not happening yeah. outside of Christmas. And no. so the local McDonald's had a, a little a little station set up that had four um, four Nintendo 64s. I'm sure plenty of other folks who grew up in the, you know, in the early 90s had this situation as well. You'd roll down to McDonald's, you'd order a cheeseburger or chicken nuggets or whatever the fuck, let that get cold while you're either playing Diddy Kong Racing Super Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie. And for me, it was always Banjo-Kazooie. You know, I'd be messing around in whatever world the last, you know, greasy ketchup-fingered kid had gotten to, unlocking me some puzzle pieces and some Jinjos and loving every second of it. Uh, mm -hmm. to, the, to the point where 
I think I think that was maybe <laughs> maybe the, with the exception of the switch and me and my wife, that was maybe the only <laughs> the only moment where I broke into tears begging my parents to buy me a Nintendo sixty four. You know what I mean? I and, need this. I need it to live. You know, um, <laughs> and it's true. It banjo banjo kazooie was my first uh, was my first N sixty four game, and it, it's got a really really warm place in my heart. Conversely, I actually didn't like Mario sixty four that much. I actually didn't love Super Mario sixty four. Well, what did you? Was it like your sole title for your console at one point? Um, no, I so I never owned it. I played it on rental, and I also played it several years later on uh, Nintendo DS. I, I don't remember whatever whatever handheld console it came out for uh, for the first time. I bought it. I played through like the first world, and just decided it wasn't for me. It was a camera thing at that moment, actually. Yeah, there's a shine on that that particular Apple that's on there when it's the game that it ships with. It's your new console. So every feeling associated with it is, oh, my new console. So it feels right. like it feels like gold. And I think that maybe it, it, without the nostalgia, uh, it doesn't have quite the same uh, joy attached to it. That's a great point. I wonder if Sonic would be as prolific as it is today. I mean, listen, so- the Sonic franchise is arguably one of the you know cornerstone franchises of gaming. That slipped the farthest, as evidenced by what was that a really bad title that came out last year? Sonic Dark Forces or something? Mm, sounds right. There's, I mean, I think it, it, I, it, I really, I really lose cabin pressure when like Sonic is like kissing like a girl. I'm like, hold up, <laughs> you're <what>? a hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. I think you've uh, you've been diving too deeply on 4chan in the recent memory, I, but I. Uh, wish that that was the case that's what it feels like you're like hold up like you feel like in the next cut scene she's gonna be pregnant you're like oh no burn it kill it with fire <laughs> uh yeah it goes a whole lot deeper um yeah i don't know man i just just kind of centering back on that kind of era of 3d platformers you know i remember some really great titles like rayman 2 uh, I think that was one of maybe the only Rayman 3D platforming title. Super good. Jet Force Gemini. That title doesn't get nearly enough love. Did you play it? Mm, uh, maybe. It was like a, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Like a kind of cartoony Nintendo version of Starship Troopers with puzzle solving. Mm. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. What about Ratchet and Clank? So Ratchet and Clank was a PlayStation title that I never picked up. Did you, uh, did you dive deep on that one? Uh, I, I believe I've beaten one of them. I've, be, I've beaten, beaten at least one of them. And it has like the Conker's Bad Fur Day kind of uh, sort of humor to it. Not quite as uh, not quite as crude. I don't you know think I mean? anything in, in ever has gone as deep as Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> right. Which um, is kind of crazy you know, also to think. Like you'd think that there would be some more lewd adult only titles. And Conker's Bad Fur Day is a cult classic. People collect that game like it's going out of style. Well, it is. It has gone out of style, evidently. But uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day is a thing. I can't believe that there's not been more Conker's Bad Fur Day-esque video games. I, I, you know, it, it rare did that one as well, and I think they dipped a little bit too deep on that. I think they they know they narrowly avoided some backlash, and they're like, we'll just leave that there. Yeah, this like hyper cartoony, you know, for a Nintendo system, super adult video game got us real close to some, uh, you know, to some issues with marketing to children and, you know, also having some dick jokes in the mix. So fair enough. Let's steer away you know, from that direction. South, South Park is on, um, you know, the Switch now. So kind of all bets are off. It's I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a, a Conker's awesome hair month coming at us. <laughs> uh, incredible. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, so the, the 3D platformer thing, you know, I dipped into DK64 and admittedly I didn't make too much progress because it's, it's funny. You go back to some video games that you've played in the distant, distant past and for some reason you haven't forgotten anything about the first whatever four hours of the game, right? So you're like, oh yeah, I played this game like 15 years ago and I still remember where all of the shit is and I'm going to stop playing it now because I'm just, I'm a little bored. Um, but you know, I jumped out of DK64 and into the newer Wii titles of Donkey Kong. Did you get a chance to, you didn't have a Wii, right? Or did you? Uh, Wii-less. Wii-less. You're a Wii-less man. I remember, I seem to remember you were playing it with your dad at one point. I guess you commandeered it. Um, I, I, my roommate at one point had a Wii. I see. Got you. Yeah. I mean, Wii was, uh, was one of those, was one of those consoles that, um, didn't get a ton of play from me, but the, the Donkey Kong country returns version for it was actually an incredible platformer. It was actually really challenging, which I didn't anticipate. Again, my wife and I played it pretty extensively. It had some really tight controls, although, um, Man, I, one thing I'm really not pumped about ever going back to is the Wiimote style gimmicks, you know, where you're you're flicking your remote to roll and shit like that. That just it does not fly for me. And, and going back to that was was uncomfortable, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that game, despite the fact that it's got beautiful art, beautiful environment, excuse me, the, um, the kind of 2.5D thing that you were alluding to earlier is really in full force in that game, right? You get a, a sense of depth, you get a sense of um, the level design being far more complicated than the original Super Nintendo DK Country World ever could have been. And yet, and yet, I played maybe an hour of Donkey Kong Country Returns and then spent the rest of my time with DK Country World for the Super Nintendo. And I, you know, I, I kind of wondering why, because you know, technically the Wii game is far superior, right? Like technically, in other words, the mechanics in it are more interesting. Uh, they're more varied. Graphically, it's superior. Doesn't compromise on difficulty, and and actually is more difficult than Donkey Kong Country World in many ways. I'm just, I'm, I'm, and I'm sitting here like, why do I want to go back to the original Super Nintendo? Is it nostalgia? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think there's like a familiarity and a nostalgia, um, and you kind of know the levels, so they're like old friends rather than new discoveries. And I think they both have their place. Um, and I think like right now, if you gave me the chance, the choice between playing Donkey Kong Country um, or you know uh, the Tropical Freeze, I probably would do Donkey Kong Country first, just yeah. just to get that, just to get the the wheels back on the bus, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the thing that I went through with um, with the the Mario Wii titles or the Mario DS title, right? It's it's fun and it's it's nice to jump into it, but nothing will ever nothing will ever eclipse Super Mario World for me. And I think it's it's a graphical thing, you know. It's less busy. It's a little bit more straightforward. The the more pixely art of uh, Super Mario World or the, <laughs> I don't even know what we could call it, early 3D of DK Country, I guess would be the, the best way to put it. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it's easier for my eyes to read. Like I understand it a little more, more easily, if that makes any sense. And I don't know, it's just like the level design is more straightforward. So it's not as challenging. It's not as much of a brain burner. So with the the Donkey Kong Country um, Wii title, you know, there's there's moments where you have to stop and think and like, okay, how do I navigate myself up around this wheel when there's also an enemy there and some spikes below and I got to do, you know, I got to execute two or three different jumps in a kind of 
technical way you know the level design in that older game was just a little bit more straightforward wasn't as challenging but you'd get into the flow right you kind of had an idea of what to expect um yeah i mean does that track at all for you i don't i don't know maybe i'm Maybe I'm, I'm yeah, just and maybe that's maybe that's familiarity speaking, right? It's just the fact that you have a memory of it, so it seems straightforward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible. Um, you know, I, older games seem to me to have a vibe of being beaten. You know, that's that's their existence. You, they want they they exist to be beaten. Whereas newer games, and this may now I'm totally getting super ethereal with it but newer games almost feel like they exist to be experienced you know what i mean i'm jumping into this donkey kong game and the art is there and the and the mechanics are there to guide me through this donkey kong experience that's been created by the developers where the original is more stripped down it's more um it's simplistic and yet you know the sensation of running through it to beat it uh, just just feels a little bit more present for me. It, like, okay, let me draw a bad example, but it's it's almost like the difference between having a cereal box with something fun on it, as opposed to like a beautiful piece of fine art. You know, I love experiencing. I know it's weird, but like I love experiencing fine art. But when I'm picking out a cereal box, I want something that's a little more simple. I want something vibrant and comfortable and uncomplicated that knows exactly the flavor it's trying to represent. Do you know what I mean? Is spend, that is spend that crazy? a lot of time articling between cereal and art? It's always tough. Do I go to the fine art section or the cereal section? <laughs> I mean, this when when war is is bringing me to tears. But honey nut Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios. Yeah, that's it, man. It's like I don't know. It's you've got these games that push the push the platformers especially because you know I, I can't argue with the beautiful breathtaking vistas of a triple a title but when it comes to a 2d platformer i want it to be simple and i want it to be streamlined and i want to not have to think too hard while i'm playing it i just want to get in that twitch based groove and get that one note of sugar as i'm going through as opposed to having to switch gears as i'm running through the level i don't know maybe i'm a simple man but that's that's just where i'm coming from I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a fun time touring around the world of the Kongs. Definitely worth, uh, definitely worth a revisit. Um, and you know, okay. So if I'm if I'm to kind of tie it up with a bow, DK has got to be the very best platforming series, regardless of it's DK sixty four or you know Super Nintendo or the Wii for smoking weed. <laughs> Because burning down a big bowl and then jumping into the world of the Kongs has both a whimsical and hilarious name. Like I found myself openly laughing at the animations and the characters in both of those, or in all three of those games. Uh, and at the same time, enjoying the uh, just goofy. I, you never, never realized how goofy those games are. Like just shooting peanuts out of uh, you know a wooden gun wielded by a small ape. Classic. Just classic. Doing un untold damage to buzzards and crocodiles. I like I like how the game draws a line. It goes here are your your basic good animals and your general bad animals. Yeah, you know, uh, rhinoceros, ostrich, uh, swordfish, good, uh, beaver, crocodile, buzzard, bad. Get that vulture out of there. It's ugly and it deserves some Kong related genocide. Now, Andy, I noticed you were able to wedge four distinct reviews into your review. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I charged across the landscape of simian apes, and, and here we are. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, are, so are you a DK fan, Dan? Will you be picking up Tropical Freeze? 
Much like Jane Goodall, I will watch you from a distance. Yeah. Well, I figured that might be the case. What about you, buddy? What'd you get into this week? I spun up a gem. A gem, I feel like, that got lost in the shuffle, oh. and it was brought back to me. It was, it was. I uh, sifted it out out of the the water in my 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 panhandling uh, plate of uh, free PS4 games um, from the the PlayStation Plus membership. And today we are talking oh. about Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max. So you uh, you were tired of shelling out $70 every week for a new AAA title? <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I would have been perfectly comfortable firing another disc in the tray, but this one, I kind of stumbled upon it. And I remember somebody mentioning, uh, you know, the greatness that was this this missed opportunity um, for a lot of people. So um, I downloaded it, I fired it up, and, you know, I, I got a couple hours behind the wheel and, you know... I was struck by the charm of this game uh, immediately. And Mm. the word I would use for it, or the phrase is, ugly beautiful. Ugly beautiful. So, sorry, was this for PS4? You bet. And, you know, this is a broken world, welded together, dusty. You know, just looking at it for a while, you feel like your eyes need a tetanus shot. And yet it's still hauntingly beautiful, um, you know, the way that it's put together. And it feels it feels like a real place. Like you can you can sort of see it come together. And right from the opening video, they they set the tone, you know, it says the opening salvo is it is known that the world fell and most of the people died. The dead will not suffer the hardships of what remains. Those that were born before or sorry, those that were born into this hell have no remembrance of anything else. Those that survived are the, are those that are truly broken, for they know what was before. Ooh. And cut to Mad Max driving through the desert. Oh, pretty epic! Uh, pretty epic intro. Yeah, and so you fall right onto Mad Max, um, sort of uh, with three um, baddies on his tail and hot rotted, welded together murder machines and uh and of one of the factions of the sort of wasteland people and uh they're on his tail and he sort of gets the drop on one of them in a beautiful cinematic where he he side he sort of t-bones one on an angle so not really a t-bone more of a y-bone uh shotgunning the guy in the face while he sends the car careening in sort of a spiral um you know but the other two get the better of him and you see uh, Mad Max uh, get left at the side of the road by a guy named Scabarus Scrotus. Scabarus Scrotus. <laughs> nice. Who who carjacks Max while he's on his way to sort of drive off into the, du- the distance um, to a place called the Silent Plains, uh, what mm. seems to be a peaceful end away from all of this. Um, and what begins is a mission of... Uh, revenge and rebuilding, retribution even, as he tries to build back together, reobtain or rebuild his uh, his car, which is part of his soul, it almost feels like. Oh, interesting. Um, this, is a, <laughs> this is a deep cut of the uh, psychological workings of Mad Max and his quest to uh, to take on Mr. Scrotus. Yeah, and, and Scrotus is, is the t- the head of one of the clans. There's two other clans. I, I, and, you know, as you venture into the open world, you find battle stations and oil rigs and, and different situations. And, and, like, you know, when you think open world desert wasteland, it, you might think it's boring. But really, nope. The landscape is pretty. You're constantly 
interrupted by interesting places with just stacked full of ambiance and you know these windstorms these dust storms come on you and they're haunting they're beautiful everything sort of reacts to this the world and you immediately get how dingy and gross and broken the world is you know everybody's crazy or a religious zealot um, you know or a total sadist and you know max while totally insane is the sanest person around right um you know so it, it, it's steeped into in this real world and you know for a game that came out in 2015 it's gorgeous and you can tell that they knew it was gorgeous at the time because you can drop into director mode and place the camera anywhere you want and put all kinds of filters um turn up and down the brightness and you know play with the shots to take uh screenshots or video of the gameplay whatever from whatever angle you want and so the game kind of got where it was at that's a really strange feature for a for a game like mad max i would think anyway never mind a game that occurs in in mostly like a desert post-apocalyptic world because like when i think of that i think of borderlands right and borderlands yeah. is one of the games that while i enjoyed it i felt suffered uh, extensively from the setting i just Something about Borderlands's endless cell shaded deserts of <laughs> despair and you know whatever raiders got just wore on me so thoroughly. I just didn't want to be in it anymore. So how does it how does it possibly make like an open world desert feel interesting? I well, and you and you're singing my song because I felt the same way. Well, I mean, right down to just how everything's rendered. It's rendered in a way that it feels real not kind of thrown together and, and like i said it doesn't feel empty the, the 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 sand is not that that um empty gray it's that rich brownie red and and you know it varies and every area you know begs to be explored now that said the mechanics so far and i'm, I'm only a little bit into it seem like they may wear on me over time i feel like this is going to be like a, a 40 to 60 hour trek um so you know we'll see where it goes but so far the controls are great. It's got a Batman Arkham Knight-esque combat system. Not quite as refined, but you got your combo meter. And uh, the game does a good good job of keeping it tense and making those moments feel excited as you get swarmed by, um, you know, insane desert zealots while they scream madness at you. Um, and down to the, the driving, the driving feels tight. And right. you get to build out your car with spears or slashers or, you know, all, all kinds of mayhem. Um, and, and the game captures this quite well. So I'm going to continue on this. I'm only about a couple hours in, uh, but I'm going to it's going to sort of intermingle uh, my God of War, uh, my God of War time. Mm, nice. Oh, you're still going strong on God of War. I mean, of course, like everybody's going hard on God of War right now. Uh, it's great, but I have I had to take a little bit of a break at least because uh, my sweet sweet lady said something to me, and I said I said silence, woman, and then she was like, <laughs> "What did you just say to me?" And I'm like, "I mean, just just one one second, just one, one second, sweetheart." Because <laughs> <laughs> if you played the game at all, he's um, yeah, Atreus is constantly talking to you, and, it's like, and, and dude, that's like and, an everyone loves Raymond moment. <laughs> that's like a. <laughs> Sitting on the couch watching like, I don't know, an old James Dean movie and asserting yourself and then getting immediately beaten down when you realize that, oh, yeah, where it's like, you know, 2018, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, she's got I good humor about in. it. I'm like, I desire water. <laughs> you know, but, you know, in the game, Atreus, your son is talking to and you constantly are reminding him. He's like, silence, boy. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> because, you know, you're trying to teach him to be that 
quiet, plodding hunter, you know? Yeah, and, exactly uh, the kind of tone yeah. you don't want to like take to work with you. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because there's no such thing as the chatty hunter. No. Yeah, you know, like, and, and it's 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 something so deep. Like, as as um, you know, Kratos is doing his thing. You can feel your manliness being summoned while right. simultaneously realizing that's not going to work into the boardroom. Silence, Jeffrey. That's <laughs> not on the action item list. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so God of War. You beat. Have you come close to beating it or? Impossible, sir. Impossible. Um, no, I I haven't. You know. If, I, I have uh, dialed the difficulty up. I'm actually a little bit regretting not either uh, playing the game differently or putting the difficulty up to the maximum because what's happened is um, I've built out, I'm going to get a little nuts and bolts on it, but I've built out for luck to be my biggest stat. And what mm. luck does is it gives you more experience and gold, which helps you advance faster. The other thing I did was immediately do every side quest I could, even the ones that said, Dan, you're not supposed to be here. And I said, maybe I am. Maybe I, I just need to get through these 50 guys without getting hit once. Uh, which, you know, I'd love to tell you, which means I tried it twice. But the truth is, what it means is I tried it four dozen times to the point where my sweet lady's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are these guys all wrecking your face? And I'm like, well, I, I probably shouldn't be there. So what's happened is, you know, I've I've i advanced all my skill trees to a point where the current story isn't a challenge. Um, I'm sure that'll balance out in a little bit, but you know, the the story is beautiful enough that um, you know it's it's completely interesting, and the interplay between Kratos and his son is always fascinating. The game's taking its time to introduce interesting characters as you go just sort of dropping them in there as you progress there was a little bit of a sag in the middle um for me when i was in like a, a inside the mountain and kind of like a minds of moria situation i actually took some specific screenshots for you andy because i know you love the minds of moria so i'll be firing those over to you <laughs> um, but you know i was woken up by an epic fight right after that and i, I don't want to give out a lot of spoilers but everywhere you think this game can't go and and still be interesting it it goes it, it keeps escalating the level and escalating the cinematics and uh you know i'm i'm enjoying the ride it, it is it is pretty triumphant yeah i mean like you know god of wars infiltrated pretty much every mainstream you know uh either you know it's it's the game that everyone's talking about right now in fact leafly actually put up a uh, put up an article a review it's called actually i, I guess i do love this it's called the high score <laughs> It's pretty good. Nice. That's that's their segment, their game review segment. Um, but you know, even uh, even Bailey, I'm sorry, her last name is escaping me right now, but um, she's one of the regular contributors over there, and I think she's on their podcast also. But she uh, she did up a nice little review of the the God of War game, and you know, everyone seems to be loving it. So perhaps you've handicapped yourself, you've hobbled yourself a little bit by by purposely pursuing. <laughs> tasks that you're perhaps not supposed to be uh, involved in what's the reverse um, of hobble temporary hobble and then extra excel uh, like yeah i don't know i don't know buddy it's like it's like you know i don't know playing uh playing an ea sports title with the intention of knocking out all of the opposing uh team members so that you can score on the net you know it's it's like maybe just play the game because it's hockey dude just take it down a notch you know, I, I, I always turn up the, the, the pain for myself on a game. I really always want to push it to the limit. And this, this uh, God of War does a great job of rewarding 
high level combat because there's a whole system of blocks parries and dodges that that will uh, you know reward you in different ways unlocking different attack streams so you know if i block with my shield it activates a parry move where i can smash the ground you know which gives me some room to throw my axe which then puts me into unarmed mode to beat someone senseless to their stun meter is full which means i can then rip them in half with my bare hands uh these are good things. <laughs> These are all very a, good things. This is a comprehensive system. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, anyway, it sounds like a fascinating game. I mean, are you going to beat it? Is this is this one of those ones you're going to go all the way with? Uh, to completion, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sometimes you got to get a little handsy with your video games. All right, that's enough. <laughs> that's it. I think it's about time we head over to the smoke sesh. But Mad Max, going back to Mad Max, um, I haven't heard anything endearing about it. It sounds like it's got some neat landscapes and uh, not particularly good uh, mechanics. So is there any... No, no, brother. Good combat, uh-huh. good driving, good mechanics, interesting world. Like, it, it examines the world behind the movies that the movie would never have time to take place as well as the systems that hold the world together. So, it, I mean, if you enjoyed the last movie, Fury Road, which was a fantastic film, uh, you know, or interested in the lore at all, this is this is a, a definite grab, if it, especially if it's just free on uh, PlayStation Plus. So fire it up. Totally yeah. worth it. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. 420 friendly? Absolutely. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Very good. Oh, boy. I think before my tongue gets any more tied, dude, it's time to loosen it up with a little bit of uh, the marijuana. What do you think? Let's uh, let's shift into a dank clo- cloud of awesome. Mm, let's slither under the mangroves. Gross. smoke session time danny boy mm, blow them thick clouds into mm. your basement apparatus but yeah. don't set off the fire detectors because that's not a thing they're smoke detectors mm, the fire de- it's fire true. fire detector the detector that lets you know you've already perished <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a bad product to go to market with um real talk here from your friends at the purple dungeon squid as we sit here packing our bowls and lighting our lighters i think it's time to remind you to uh, check the batteries in your smoke alarms because uh friends keep yourself safe especially if you're going to be dealing with fire on the regular because we all are dealing with fire on the regular am i right dan oh hi i didn't notice you there Andy and I'd like to talk to you today about fire safety, but don't take my word for it. Let's throw it to our friend Nugsy, the, the <laughs> ephemeral, the ephemeral personified Nug. Aww. Hey, everybody, don't burn your house down. <laughs> the only people that would sponsor us with a $20 bill was like the local fire department. They're like, well, you're like, doing something. Know, out just of say something sure. about fire safety. Just do some fire safety stuff. I don't know. Here's 20 bucks. Go, go uh, get yourself a sandwich, kid. Oh, that may have been through, uh, you know, an extracurricular program with the local church. But, hey, we're not above anything for sponsorship. Nope. 
Bottom of the barrel. Here we no are. No morals. No morals Taking at all. Taking what we can. <laughs> some, some morals, guys. Two or three morals. One or two morals. Um, boy. All right. Well, welcome to the Smoke Sash here, folks. Uh, dude, Like honestly, we talk about video games, and I love talking about video games, and we get right into it. And by the time we're done talking about video games, I feel like we should have smoked like 30 minutes ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know yeah. what you mean. But you remember the prototype version of the podcast where we smoked, and then we tried to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It was It was 90% unairable, but that 10%, dude. 10% was gold. And then everything was, else it, was a series of awkward pauses and, and, and strange suppositions. That top 10% was Bitcoin. Better than gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bitcoin. We uh, died to death. Wow. Um Anyway, it's time for a sobering, uh, sobering reminder that cryptocurrency is still untested, folks. Here we, we're going to another PSA. Welcome right to now. the boring <laughs> preaching part. This is a hey. Make sure you're financially sound. Hey, Andy, what are you smoking on today? Uh, today I'm smoking on a, a nice, secure 401k, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm smoking on the 15th page of Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smoking on some sound advice from a financial planner that I am paying good money to look into where I should be putting my money. Killer, killer. Bra- so, Andy, bra- what are you, bring what are you, it home. <laughs> bring it what are you home. smoking on today? Oh, Christ. Let's make this more interesting. I got some golden... No, some lemon skunk. Excuse me. I have some uh, some lemon skunk, and I wouldn't call it the best lemon skunk I've ever seen, but uh, it's definitely wheat, so that's uh, that's a better than no wheat. Wunderbar, wunderbar. So, um, you, you want to... You do you want to tell me a little bit about the bud you have in your hand there? Yes, indeed. Boy, I feel like you're leading me through a garden path and I'm tripping over every rock. It's amazing. This is only going to get better with cannabis. I think I, that's what we can agree I with. Think cannabis is the answer for a better time here. Um, maybe yeah. not a better time for my listeners, but no. a better time for us in general. <laughs> uh, just, sometimes you got to spin the wheel. You know what I mean? Yes, indeed. Uh, that kind of thinking, though, landed me. Um, ugh, we won't go there. Um, so, it's like, what if it was like this, but different? <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a little bit of lemon skunk here and uh so here's here's what immediately turns me off i really hate when i receive weed in a series of very small chunks you know there's something just so resplendent about getting a nice thick nug that when it comes in anything else like these little popcorn kernel sized bits of cannabis that i've got in my hands here i just get a little grumpy you know it just feels like i'm getting half of the experience it's like someone Cut me off a little piece of the chocolate bar instead of handing me the O. Henry. It's the experience of, hey, this weed I've given you, I got it from the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like I, ga- I gathered it off on the ground. Mm. That, that being said, it is a nice, vibrant green color. So, you know, often or a lot of the strains I've been getting recently are a, a kind of a muted olive or maybe a dusky, a dusky kind of green. Um, this one here is really vibrant. So I've got a lot of like emerald tones in here, which is kind of cool to look at. Um, it's it's a pretty frosty nug. It's covered in some uh, some brownish trichomes here. And the, the hairs are um, are all really tightly entwined and very small uh, and they, they've got this little fiery orange look to them so I'm excited to give this a go take cracking it open uh, I've got a little bit of, you know I'd expect more of a skunky flavor from lemon skunk I mean I think that would be an easy an easy assessment but this is uh, this is more sweet than skunky and you know the the, tr- the I mean listen it's lemon skunk so you have to imagine there's going to be some citrus in there am I right yeah I think that's safe to assume yeah it's almost like I feel like I'm smelling asparagus with lemon on it that's the exact that's the exact scent i'm dealing with here 
Fresh asparagus or cooked asparagus? Cooked asparagus, a little bit of lemon on top. That's that's the that's the prevailing flavor here. So I would say that skunk has sort of morphed into just a little bit of pee. <laughs> just a teeny bit of pee. A little bitty high, a little bit of hot urine. Um, so that's what we're going down on today. What about you, Danny? What strange you bring us today? I am looking down the barrel of a, a brand new shipment in here from from uh, Broken Coast, not a sponsor. Um, and this I don't is think they can legally a Northern be a sponsor. Lights Haze, uh, but what they call in house Galliano. Oh, you um, picked up the Galliano, beautiful. Um, you know, and I gotta tell you, getting a no- like just just laying my eyes on this, like you said, you know, this is no small nug. It looks like someone has chopped the top off a of broccoli <laughs> and then broke it into pieces that are, you know, uh, fittable inside the tube they've sent me and just packed it to the brim because these are giant, satisfying, chunky nugs. Nice. Um, which I am in no way upset at. Very no. pleased to be a uh, part of what they've put together here. Uh, and, you know, getting a little bit closer, there's like a mixture of pale and dark greens there it is you know a medium amount of um dusting of a frosting on this guy and dark brown hairs sort of intermingled around the outside what really is striking me is this the scent and the scent is like nothing i've ever smelled before wow you know the pepper smell that it's um it's one of the terpenes that i've i've actually always had some trouble nailing down but it, it's the one that's uh, supposed to smell like pepper, and this is this is that smell. It's like spicy pepper, hmm. like like freshly milled spicy pepper, and it smells amazing. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I had the Galliano a few episodes ago, um, and I remember really enjoying it. And uh, I've since I've since run out of it because it was my go-to strain for a little while. So I think I think you're in for a treat. So this thing has got that, like, like pepper is the first one. There's so much pepper. There's definitely, like, wooden spice in there as well. But there's, like, a bunch of herbs that are hanging out in the background that smell like, like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All like, right. I think pizza because it's, like, an herb. Like, it's, like, it's not thyme. Give me some pizza herbs. Pizza or oregano. Yep. Yep. What I think that's the, that's the only pizza herb. Yeah. Anything maybe else in there, just ba- not maybe pizza. Maybe some basil. Oh, sorry, basil. Yep, you're absolutely right. Basil's a pizza thing for sure. I think like okay. having having weed that smells like pizza is perhaps like the ultimate collision of the universe. It's, it's the ultimate good. culmination of weed, right? Like I don't think you get much better than that. Uh, yeah, and you know, maybe it's the way it was shipped. Maybe it's because it's been cured so well. But the nose is so strong. Like, I think you've heard me in previous podcasts, like machine gun sniffing. Yep. Um, and, and just like really getting in there, both nostrils, like, str- I don't want to say struggling, but getting in deep. I, I, I detected everything that I just mentioned from uh, a stern two inches away. It, it made itself known. Let's say that. Andy, this is two podcasts in a row that you have uh, you've uh, you've neglected your lighter. I can hear you scampering off. Now I'm only sitting on my high horse because I turned around and grabbed mine from behind oh, me. Sorry about that, friend. Um, but uh, Andy, I have to tell you, you know our our tradition in the past is I ask you about potency, and then I decide how deep I'm going to go. The nice thing about getting from an LP or any 
place that's allowed to test their their product at a lab is i can tell you exactly what the, the potency is well isn't that it's nice 20, on you it's 20 percent. oh there you go so which, like a nice middling weed this is going to yeah maybe for you, you admiral chronic this is going to sit me down i think actually um and this this sort of chunky nug which was beautiful sort of a triangle of nuggetry has busted up in some beautiful fluffy goldenness and now it's all light it's all light colored that darkness has left it's that pale green it smells like a dream um but Andy, do you want to do you want to cham down on that uh, lemon skunk first? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to get in on this uh, lemon skunk, and I have a sneaking suspicion that my favorite friend Jeremy Irons is going to tell me all about it while I puff away. I think I might be able to find Jeremy back here. Ooh, God, I've got <clears> this. <throat> I've got my sweet little my little Sherlock here. Uh, I regrettably do not have any more matches, so I'm ready for the uh, for the incessant burning of the of the lighter. The butane experience. So uh, just just <clears throat> mostly going to taste butane here in a second, but here we go. What is lemon skunk? Lemon skunk was conceived from two separate skunk phenotypes that displayed exceptionally zesty lemon traits. The skunky citrus flavor draws you in immediately, and the happy, energetic buzz will shake you out of any funk. DNA Genetics has developed lemon skunk as a great strain for combating depression and stress. Ooh, taking that stress down like a champion. And Leafly tells me that you're going to be uplifted, happy, and euphoric. What are the flavor notes? Well, buddy, I think you can guess we got lemon followed by citrus followed by skunk. Ah, I nailed it. Nailed in one. (laughs) What a mystery. (laughs) Oh, man. The flavor is nice, actually. It's a nice light flavor. It's like a gentle spritz on my tonguey, my old tonguey poo. Mm, that's some foreign language. Um, and mm, <laughs> the smoke is light and airy. Not, yeah, nothing nothing really abrasive about this strain. It's, it's leaving a fresh, fresh flavor in my mouth. And um, I'm already feeling my spine begin to tingle a bit in relaxation. God, did I ever need a little bowl here. Feeling 100% rejuvenated. I love this. I love what I'm hearing. Uh, oh, MZ, sorry. In between. Ooh, ooh, hello. MZ PhD in 420 comes at us a high with a high-handed review. If you've read my other reviews, then you know my experience. But for this review, I'm only reviewing a strain I sampled, Lemon Skunk by DNA Genetics, from a local delivery service here in Ann Arbor. <laughs> this is this written by is Troy a- McClure. You <laughs> may know me from my other reviews. <laughs> from such reviews as Purple Dungeon Spunk. <laughs> Oh my this God. strain is amazing in its appearance, smell, and effects, and its name is a little off as there's definitely a large percentage of limonene for the lemon in the name, but there wasn't any skunk to it. Yeah, I'm also not really dealing with too much skunk here. Like I said, I got the taste is asparagus. I don't know where this asparagus is coming from, but someone, someone's yeah, playing a, a cruel that's joke some on me. Fresh, that's some fresh piddle. <laughs> Listen, man, asparagus does not taste like urine going down. You don't pee on the asparagus first. This is a matter of science. You've you've hit me with an unassailable line of logic. 
Oh, lemon skunk. Well, I killed that bull handily, and I'm feeling all the better for it. So, um, oh, just loosened up. You know, coming into this segment, I was feeling the exhaustion of a, of a piercing Donkey Kong review. <laughs> and now <laughs> now I feel like I'm skipping through the forest and ready to take on an army of angry squirrels. A delicate four-layer Donkey Kong review. It was more a dissertation than anything. It was more a thesis. It was a thesis, <laughs> a thesis on the merits of Donkey Kong. Why don't you go ahead and uh, chuff down on that Galliano? Mm, the Galliano. El um, Galliano. I gotta tell you, because of um, you know, not not to not to throw too much shade at my my local Nugsmith, but because of the the quality and the uh, the freshness. Uh, of this herb i'm a little bit nervous but let me let me see let me see what happens this is amazing so i'm just uh, i'm just jumping through lift.co to um to read about the northern lights haze that is this strain and if this is an employee review if i've ever heard one broken coast provided fast and satisfactory shipping how was your how was your shipping satisfactory satisfactory (laughs) amazing uh let's see here northern lights haze what does leafly have to say are you what are you hitting it out of my friend your pink bong uh the pinkest uh the pinkest of bongs yes indeed a sativa from sensi seeds oh there we go amsterdam all right I'm I'm determined to pick up some some Sensi seeds. I'm I'm excited about it. Northern so what, Lights. What is Sensi? Is that a company in in Amsterdam? What's the deal? Yeah, it's a genetics company. They uh, they breed seeds. And Northern Lights Number Five Haze is uh, is part of their uh, yeah part of their stable of genetics. Seed stable. Gotcha. The old stable seeds. Haze is a vigorous strain bred to improve upon hazes. Flowering time and bud structure. Oh, sorry. Northern Lights. I got you. There we go. Full circle. With zesty flavors of pungent spice. There you are. This 70% sativa delivers an invigorating cerebral buzz that seems to boost sensory awareness. Though the indica in her shines through in density and growth stature, this strain carefully preserves an uplifting high that's perfect for daytime use and reading like Leonard Nimoy. I feel like uh, this Galliano has crept up my spine and taken my brain hostage and it's whispered only a small series of demands number one it's like hey man just have a good time number two it's like give me some pizza number three it's like hey i feel like you could be wearing comfier shorts number four i wish you were wearing shorts made of pizza (laughs) it's greasier than you might think oh speaking of wet pants trilly number one says absolutely amazing I honestly have never experienced such an amazing high. You can use it as daytime and nighttime. It won't keep you up like a strong sativa, but it won't couch lock you either. The taste and smell is very good as well. That's great. And then well, that rhymes, so you know it's true. King Rob 1017 says, it makes me feel happy. Awesome. Isn't that nice? You're in for a good King time. Rob, you've always had a way with words, my man. That's Listen, why you ascended to the throne. A man of few words, a man of many words. The same thing, if you ask me. Or diametric, diametrically opposed. Mm, peel back the onion, Daniel. Peel back I'm the onion. I'm getting in there. So stinky. Uh, you call, sorry, you're calling me stinky? The onion. So there's no comma in there. I mean, it's hard to say. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a semicolon. Yes, got you, got you. So Dan, I went to, I went a little wide on my munchie for today and took a risk. Can I can I apprise you of the terrifying uh, bag of food I have in front of me? 
This is a safe space, Andy. Is it? I uh, I went ahead to the to the local grocery store and picked up a bag of Frito Lay pork rinds. Oh wow! <laughs> I just, I, you know, today I was like, it's going to be an adventurous day, um, and I'm now staring down the barrel of pork rinds, which I'm not sure if you've had them before. I certainly haven't, and I'm a little afraid of what this bag is gonna is gonna have to offer. What about yourself? Would you uh, Would you bring this week, Andy? Where did you find pork rinds this this side of 1988? Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's a bag from 1988. I'm not sure. I, this, I feel like pork rinds came from a time when people were like, heart attacks, those are a myth. That's <laughs> uh, like, hey, I like bacon, but we should find a way to puff it <laughs> like a Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> this bacon's so chewy and leathery. Why can't it crunch and pop in my mouth full of effervescent bacon hair? It's uh, it's kind of strange because I'm having a hard time locating my bag of pork rinds. <laughs> it appears to have disappeared. Now, do you think that somebody took them away in an intervention style? I care for you too much to let you put this inside your body. Action, buddy. I was just running around my kitchen like a rooster, trying to <laughs> try, trying to find my trying to find my pork rinds. Oh. Oh, here's ah! You, you know what Kratos would do in this situation? Thank you. My beautiful wife has tracked <clears> down <throat> the pork rinds. <clears throat> Andy. Yes, sir. You know what Kratos would do? Kratos would do in this situation. I'm sorry. Who's Kratos? Oh, Kratos! Do you listen to me I'm when I sorry. review games? Or? Wow, incredible, Kratos! Yeah, I've only played three of those titles. Amazing. Go ahead. What would Kratos? What would Kratos say if I haven't taken all the steam out of out of your question? Mm, so good. This it's the timing and tempo that's really got it. Woman, poor crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible! Uh, what about yourself, buddy? Before I crack open this uh, veritable jubilee of pork-infused madness, how about yourself? What are you? Uh, what are you toting? Oh, I have picked up some Basili pizza wheat-flavored snacks, and the bag is also a crinkly goddess. So I recommend on the count of three. We open them at the same time. Sure, One, sorry. It's two. a it's a pizza sorry. It's a pizza snack that is wheat flavored. Wheat? I'm hearing wheat? pizza wheat flavored snacks. So no 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 no. Buddy, you I mean what you've described, someone no one has taken pizza and said I mean, I like the way it's getting towards me. I like the way it looks, but it tastes just I don't know. Is there any way you can make this taste just like wheat? Yeah. Just like a nice milled barley? You know, something with some zazz, this this spicy capicolo on this on this cheese pizza. It's just Not like, what are we doing me. here? Give me a gentle, no, give sir. me a gentle wheat flavor on this uh, on they're, this pizza. They're pizza flavored wheat snacks. Oh, sorry, pizza flavored wheat snacks. Understood, understood. Let's go ahead and open these together. Oh, that's so much crinkling. Crinkle to the max. So, so the, the little... wow, the wafting, the wa <laughs> okay, we got to try not to talk and laugh over each other. We both pretend like we're on a, a solo podcast <laughs> that shares, shares a hive brain. We'll just talk at the same time at the same it's register. Perfect. It'll be gold. Uh, the overwhelming smell of farts has emanated from this, <laughs> from this beautiful bag, this yellow bag of pork rinds. Um, and Andy, I, the key, the key to opening a bag, a sack full of meat surrounded in tin foil that's sat for an indeterminate amount of time is you take the second smell, not the first one. Yeah. Oh, incredible. So pulling out the pork rinds, they look like a dog treat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're bubbling up along their circumference and it, and what can only be a pig-eared shape. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks a little bit like the texture of packing peanuts, the kind that you might use to move your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me see here. Take going in for a bite. Yep, flavor of farts also. <laughs> flatulence all the way down. Flatulence from A to Z. Salty um, flatulence. I'll leave it right. at that. <laughs> so is there any other kind? Not a question I want answered. A fr- uh, this one was a freshwater fart. <laughs> <laughs> freshwater fart. Oh. Uh, which is great because the salmon swim upstream every autumn. It's the only way they'll make it. Dude, if I go out, if I go out on a pork ride, please don't tell anyone. Yeah, no, it's listen. I will, I will flub that obituary. Oh my goodness, <laughs> he died on the front lines of battle, seeing things that no man dare to see. Bully going. Uh, so, if I could tell you a little bit about um, the pizza ensembles. Hold it together. Uh, they're shaped like a window, like a, a square, like a square window, the kind that you would draw on the front of a childhood drawing of a house. Um, yes, they are perfectly square. They're about, let's call it, three quarters of an inch high. As soon as I opened this uh, this bag, what I got was a strong waft of. You're pizza. really bob veiling these windows for me. I mean, You're right. Playing, You're dealing with three quarter leveling. of an inch uh, windows there. What you got there is uh, a crunchy little uh, cubic situation when I uh, pop it into my bouche. I like uh, how we decided everyone f- needed to hear the crunch this week. That's right. Underneath the layer of pizza blasting, there is uh, a pitiful wheat, wheat nugget underneath there. And uh, it leaves much to be desired on the wheat flavor, but the pizza flavor is definitely there. These will test your teeth. I had to give that a... a because it was structurally constructed with so much prowess, I really had to bite into it to get get onto the inside of that one. Man, I've and, still uh, got pork rind in my throat. It won't go I, away. How do you get pork dust out of your you uh, can't. larynx? Ugh, you can't. No. No, I think it's... Wow, that's, if, if there's ever been a snack food-induced death sentence, that was it. <laughs> <coughs> oh, uh, moving no. right on. A, uh, it's funny because a, a weaponized uh, pork dust would be extremely effective. Yeah. Um, it's too bad it's not kosher. <sighs> too now, bad indeed. Uh, that's something I can say about my, my treat. Although, there's so much gluten in this, it lets you know, hey, this thing is comprised almost entirely of gluten. It's, it's 98% gluten. <laughs> <laughs> this much we're sure of. Pizza, it's a pizza gluten uh, blast. Uh, there you go. Whew, let's move on, my dude. These were some undoubtedly terrible snacks. Hopefully, we never yep. do anything like it again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that uh, segment deserves to be cut just because. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm bleeding from my larynx. Ugh. Yeah. Do you need to see a doctor? I mean, I think I might. Uh, but the good news is we got some reader mail. Reader mail. That's good news. <laughs> I'm really suffering here. <laughs> I'm about to power through. I'm about to power through. Wendell Andy, Wendigo. Did you crush that uh, pork rind up and just inhale it in a stiff, single motion? Oh, my God. Uh, that's the, o- the only way to do a pork rind, through a dollar bill. <laughs> 
Wendell Wendigo says, Hey guys, love the podcast. It combines my two favorite things. Gaming. Loud coughing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Wendell. Hey guys, love the podcast. It combines my two favorite things, gaming and the ganj. If you could have any gaming system with all games for a weekend and a pound of Cali Bud, what would the system be? Yo, smoke on some banana tangy, by the way. I'm toking it right now, and it's lit. Nice. <clears throat> banana tangy sounds delightful. Anything. I, I, like, I like the way that he rolls in, in, uh, in his question. It's a question that assumes oh, uh, plenty and, and uh, optimal situations, and I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I feel that. So, uh, which, what was the question? If you could have any gaming system <laughs> with all games for a weekend and a pound of Cali Bud, oddly specific on the Bud there. Yeah, there's um, a regional. There's a regional specification. We don't. We don't want any uh, any of that Utah Bud, Cali only. Um, what would the system be? I'd say probably. Well, it'd probably be something like. For me, something a little bit more old school, not readily available, so I can play some of those rare titles. Maybe like a Dreamcast. Yeah. I feel like Ooh. Dreamcast with all games for a weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm judging by Wendell's handle here, Wendigo, and his assertion uh, around the Bud's uh, geographics that he is from California, and what he means is the best weed. Right. And, you know, I got to go. Andy, I love your vibe. I love where you're coming from. And I would raise your Dreamcast and to a Jaguar. Ooh. Uh, which is, uh, you know, the failed release from, ooh, what company was it, Andy? Is that off your dome? Who made the Jaguar? The Jaguar. Somebody that, that regretted it. Was it 3DO? Ooh, I think we're going to have to go uh, Jaguar Gaming Console. Survey says Atari Jaguar. Ah, uh, what did 3DO make? 3DO console. 3DO console. Is that the tu- TurboGrafx-16? Uh, no, they don't have one. Okay. I'll oh, no, sorry. It's the, three, the 3DO interactive multiplayer. It's just, uh, it, yeah, it's just called the 3DO, generally. Because I know they took a swing at it. Anyway, it's one of those lost game systems that I remember literally a kid up the road having one. And like no one else had one, which somehow made it extra like uh, elusive and attractive to my, my child brain. I'm like, ooh, I don't know anyone who's got that. And I feel like it's one of those systems that had great graphics for the time. It had, a, I think, a three or a four button controller, which was a lot of buttons. Right. And I think it had Strider on it. Like Str- one of the first, go ahead. Sorry, what's Strider? Um, he's one of the, you can play him in Marvel versus Capcom. He's like a ninja that can jump really high, that has a, like a laser sword that he swings really fast. Um, he's got a red scarf, blue jumper. He's like a running, slashing platformer, side-scrolling. Right. So I, I think it was, it was a hard game. He can slash in any direction. Just a really dynamic character for what was available out there at the time. You know, the closest thing you had to that, I guess, was be Street Fighter or like Ninja Gaiden for the uh, the normal in, uh, the normal Nintendo. But I, this took it to the the next level and mm-hmm. uh, and really and really nailed it. So because it's it's one of those things that having good games is not the only thing that's going to make uh, you know a console so, a successful. And that's a lesson. That uh, some of the losers in the initial console race had to learn. Right. Got you. 
So this uh, this system came out in 1993. Um, boy, I just I did not really I'd never really di- di- dived Dovin. Dove? I think I, I made I made this exact same mistake last week, which is wild. Um, yeah, I this re- episode this this segment could, should be called Andy gets baked and forgets how to say dove. <laughs> Well, it's uh, listen. Two times a trend, three times a charm. Um, but the the Jaguar had some gems on here. We got Doom. I mean, you had to have Doom, right? Rayman is on this though, which is interesting. So Doom to Rayman feels like a bigger jump than it is ninety three to ninety five. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, yeah. did they have did they have a, a, a prehistoric character which was a bald child named Conker? Was it Conker? Bonker? Was it Bonker? He's like wearing a caveman outfit. He's bald. He's got a giant head. And uh, I believe his attack is like dive bomb headbutting things. You know, I would love to Google that, but I don't know where I would start. I think it's bonker. Anyway, uh, hit us up with the email if anyone knows what the earthly heck I'm talking about. Yeah. What are, what are the what are the top titles for Dreamcast? I was about to buy a Dreamcast a little while ago. Um, ended up not pulling the trigger. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Terrible. Good one. Um, but uh, um, yeah, not great. Shenmue. <laughs> Shen, Shenmue's on there. Crazy Taxi. Of course. Crazy Taxi is the penultimate uh, Dreamcast title. You know what's strange about Crazy Taxi? It's on iOS now. And it makes sense. But at the same time, it kind of blew my mind when I was sitting in, I think it was the, the um, wherever, the, the Service to Ontario, the place where basically the Canadian DMV. And there was a kid like two seats over playing Crazy Taxi just by tilting his iPad. It just felt wrong for some reason. I think it, it has a certain a certain beautiful sort of dovetailing nature. I think those things fit. Um, how about the awesome uh, beat-em-up? It's like a battle royale beat-em-up in the old sense, meaning four players. Power Stone? Oh, I haven't heard of Power Stone. Yeah, good game. Good game. Uh, you know, has a neat combat system. I think there's four characters to pick from. I remember playing that. Soul Calibur saw a release. Re- right, of course, of course. Um, jets or jet grind radio. So that's in, or, or, sorry, jet set radio. That was the one that came <laughs> with the original Xbox, right? Was that originally released on Dreamcast? Jet jet. So yeah, jet grind radio is the title. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the classic title, Seaman. Seaman. The the one. It's a interactive game where you raise an organism from nothing and watch it evolve through different evolutions of its life in this tank you have to feed it certain times and change the temperature and lights on and off and for just an added creepiness factor it starts to talk to you and has a man's face that's and horrific he are you sure this enigmatic. isn't a fever dream i you know what i think yes it is a fever dream oh just there not you go mine just not, yours. just not mine someone pitched this game and they went yeah that's a reasonable thing and you, uh, so you, you wanted you, to call what was that jensen you wanted to call it seaman no, that's, total, that's totally reasonable. That seems like a really appropriate title. Good. That's that's one of those titles that, um, you know, uh, you probably should have given to the translation team first. Right. And the, the greatest thing is the cover has a picture of like a almost frog-like creature in silhouette. Ah. You can't really see his horrifying man face. It says, caution, semen. Mm-hmm. And truer words have never been spoken. Goodness, goodness. Well... Uh, to turn that game on, just read the Lord's Prayer backwards. 
Um, that is true. And you wonder who, who laid the primordial ooze into this tank to create this creature, and why does it have a man's face? Okay, on to the next game. On to the Marvel next versus, game. <laughs> Marvel versus Capcom 2. Oh, my goodness. So May has struck, and there are a ton of games coming out in May. So the last, last month, April, had what seemed like almost nothing I wanted to play in it. May has got a litany of exciting games to jump into. Andy, did you hate that that joke at the bottom of that uh, that Dreamcast conversation that you segued into the next section? You're gonna have yes. to hit me back with that one. <laughs> you just jumped into oh man. Well, uh, uh, sorry, Wendigo, <gasps> Wendell. To answer your question, my my Buddy, smoke this, of choice. This pork rind is widow. still taking me down. Like <laughs> you are barely. We've gone from like a, a humorous ha ha to a very serious situation here. You're gonna have to listen to your track and just like just mute out your coughs. Who would have uh, Who would have known that the biggest buzzkill on the podcast would uh, would be a bag of pork rinds? And it, I think what you're gonna have to do is put the two tracks on top of each other and listen for the couple coughs you leave in, and then edit out the rest. There you go. That's uh, that's the thing. Because some of them we talk about, so they're like in the episode. And I guess if you just hear me talking about you coughing, maybe it lands all right. Maybe you just need one. One cough. Who knows? That's some behind the curtain editing stuff coming are at you, ta- you from Dank Dan. Are you telling me that we're still live right now? We're oh, not we're so it still in? live. No, there's no clapping happening. <laughs> What's the sound of one hand clapping, Dan? Uh, it's the sound of this this train not stopping. This train is coming into the station, uh, and the station is May, where there's a ton of new games coming out. I'm looking forward to hearing, seeing uh, Coffee Crisis. Because <laughs> you see a game. You don't play it. You don't. Especially oh. when it's Coffee Crisis or Seaman. I need it's some game water in a bad way. Wow. <laughs> Get yourself a glass. I'll talk about Mega Dimensional Neptuna coming out for a PS4 VR, which I'm pretty sure will break your brain, just judging by the name of this. Um, so Neptuna... T- Neptunia sounds like a faraway land and mega dimensional that implies that it is maybe has many dimensions uh the segue from our current knowledge of reality wow lord andy that was a scenario and a half (laughs) i feel like inside the mega dimensional neptunia you'd find our next title here pillars of eternity 2 not the first one but the second one um yes Pillars of Eternity is actually um, a, a, a really well-regarded uh, CRPG that happens to be on, I believe the PlayStation 4 has it also? Uh, this is where you see an RPG? Pillars of Eternity, is that for, for PS4 also? Yeah, it is. Fascinating. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind checking this one out. I've Actually, it's been really well-reviewed, and I think the folks are behind the original um, Baldur's Gate. I think it's Obsidian. Obsidian Entertainment? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Pillars of Eternity came out for PlayStation 4 in 2015. And yeah, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't jumped into it because this is right up my alley. Andy, I don't know if this is the green talking, but I feel as though you've switched this list of releases for like a fake list that is coming as like a late April Fool's joke. Because on on this, I'm seeing titles like Immortal Redneck. And <laughs> just Tacoma, just like what's what's this what's this game called? Jeep Wrangler. 
Dude, and this it, is a totally real list of games. Look, you've got Conan Exiles. This is the game you've yeah, been no, waiting for. Yeah, you've peppered for. in some real games. You can't put only fake games. you got a game on here called Coffee Crisis. Coffee Crisis. Pitch me, it's a real pitch one. Pitch me the plot of Coffee Crisis. So I can give you the legitimate plot of Coffee Crisis. No, no, no. no you are that a barista funny at all. fighting off aliens in a, in a, in a sort of barista-y flair. I feel like once the aliens show up, you leave the coffee behind. You don't look down at your your steamed foam and you say, this is the only thing that's going to get me out of this jam. Yeah, well, you know, listen, sometimes when you uh, come into a coffee crisis, you go from barista to badass in a nanosecond. Is, is City of Brass the um, Louis Armstrong uh, CRPG we've all been waiting for? Oh, yes. That's not bad. Not bad. Not a bad reference there. But back to Conan Give Exiles. Give me a destiny to dream on. <laughs> we've descended and so I'll far kill some space dragons. into nonsense that it's it's becoming a real crisis. Um, yeah. Boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Conan Exiles, you spoke about a few few weeks ago, right? That's the game with the dong slider. But like, I'm real- glad we could keep our classy context. Listen, it is what it is. But Conan Exiles is actually one of the games I've been looking to, forward to the most. So a couple interesting things. First of all, of course, it's set in, um, oh, Robert Howard? Yeah, Robert Howard's Conan universe, which I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan of. I, I never read the actual books, but Dark Horse Comics actually did like a super long print run of, uh, of a Conan comic that rendered all of those stories in really beautiful comic graphics. Um, and oh. I, yeah, it, Conan was it's probably the only um, comic book series I've ever read in excess of like 10 issues, right? And so I got a real, I got a real appreciation for Conan and actually played a game afterwards called Age of Conan, which was an online uh, RPG set in that world, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that was developed by a company called Funcom. And so Funcom's actually done Conan Exiles now. I don't know that, I mean, the, the, the MMO is around for a really long time, but I don't know that it ever really took off, right? Um, but Conan Exiles seems to have quite a huge audience of folks who are interested in it at this point. It's, again, in that Conan universe, so you've got a lot of that fiction there. But it's more of like a multiplayer survival game in the vein of like an arc, Right. Uh, And despite the fact that it's been a little bit glitchy at launch, um, it seems like most folks are pretty excited about it. So, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in dipping my toe into Conan Exiles when it lands on May 8th. So in about a week. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Mm -hmm. And then Um, there's there's a there's a new Destiny thing coming out. How do you not know about this? Oh, Um, yeah. Destiny to the Warmind expansion. Oh, you've heard of it before then. Yeah, Andy, are you familiar with what a Warmind is? Um, I think the Warmind, if I'm remembering Destiny 1 correctly, was some sort of AI in Russia. Yeah, there's like a number of these Warmind satellites in there. You know, one of the cooler pieces of lore in Destiny, it's like a giant AI um, that they used in the, the last massive war to coordinate troops and run intelligence and whatnot. And uh, they've been lying dormant and have largely represented uh, one of the mysteries in Destiny. When you first encounter Rasputin in Russia, um, he is uh, a pl- playing classical music through your comms to like let you know something's going on and the hive have infiltrated him and uh, they're looking to delve into his secrets. But this is about a, a war mine that's activating on Mars and uh, represents a new single-player uh, story for the game. And uh, that seems to be centered around this uh, mysterious war mind. 
Oh, interesting. So is there like, um, I guess the important question, is there another raid coming out or anything else in Endgame or? Yeah, there's a new Endgame session, section that they're picking out and uh, they've, it's, it's a little bit unique. It's going to be on, I believe, a five-week rotation where you have seven encounters, each with a boss, and then the seventh encounter is that week's boss. So, uh, And there's five different, so you get five uh, weeks of different bosses at the end of this encounter. And as I understand this, this is less like what you consider as like a raid, um, typically where you zone into a place and the raid starts. This raid, I believe, gets initiated on the open world map and I think stays there by the okay. sound of it. So it's happening on the surface of Mars, which is which is pretty neat. Um, I can't. And, I honestly uh, can't imagine how they would do that, given the fact it, that like a raid as a public area event seems like how would you keep it on the right phase of its of its uh trials if you had people on the over overland map participating i think they're going to find some way to uh exclude people it's going to be extremely difficult uh and as you know destiny uses um instancing so really there's a a pretty uh, stiff maximum as to how many people can uh, participate and I think they'll find some way to sort of shake them out. I don't know how they'll ha- they'll they'll handle that, uh, but you're right. Like that makes sense. Like, what are we gonna do? Get 50 people in this raid thing? Like, that feels like a stress nightmare to me. Yeah, not not to- anyway. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Destiny rises back in the collective consciousness as popular again. It feels like it's really plummeted off in the past couple months. Haven't heard much about it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like um, they, you know, they've given it a decent um, shake this time. They made more in-game content. They made a whole other single-player campaign that leads up to that. Um, they get two more maps that they're putting into the um, the, the uh, PvP, the deathmatch. Two mm-hmm. more game modes. Um, they're expanding a bunch of other ancillary stuff, putting more you know gear into the game. They're bringing back, if you're a Destiny nerd, the Suros Regime from ah, uh, Destiny the OG. Phase 1. Um, there's some talk of swords and a staff. I didn't even know there were staffs. That's how long I've been been out of the. I've been you know off my grind. Yeah, man. You were streets. You were uh, you were going hard on Destiny when we first started this podcast, and so it seems uh, seems just a minute ago you were neck deep in uh, in the Destiny fervor literally every week. Now um, you know maybe it's an excuse to go back. Yeah, you know I I'm, I always find myself looking down the pipe of that, asking myself. Do I want to be participating in the content as it's discovered? When, and, and that has its own fun elements. It's going to be, you're not going to beat it as quick, but, you know, uh, it, it's that fresh content. Or do I want to go back to it when they release the collectors, you know, that they will once the, the, the three expansions are out and you do them all at once, you know? And I, it's hard to say, you know, I don't, I do feel like this is one of Destiny's last pushes uh, for this the, the year. It's the rest of their bigness. I think they have one more expansion maybe, but like everything they've been working on, I think they're putting out. And they really listen to community. They actually, on this expansion, brought in a bunch of the YouTubers that focus on Destiny and talk to them about what they were planning um, for their game and you know systems and stuff they're talking about putting in place. And they said they had a lot of good ideas. They're like, but they had some bad ones too. And we told them they were bad. And they're like, oh, maybe we won't do that then. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's listening to the community if I've ever heard it before. Um, right. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I hope Bungie, hope Bungie jumps back into this and, and you know, has, has the critical reception that I think a Destiny 2 could definitely achieve. Hopefully it achieves it now as opposed to, you know, a year or two in, in the future. So we'll see. 
We shall see. Um, In other news, some uh, wild Elite Dangerous player. Elite Dangerous being the sci-fi, I guess you couldn't, you wouldn't call it a, uh, it's a sim, I guess a sci-fi sim. Where you, I think Pretty we space shooter. Yeah, we talked about it a long while ago. Um, I haven't been back to Elite Dangerous in some time, but it's kind of the uh, yeah the 3D space simulation where you can spend your time shooting pirates or fly around an infinitely large galaxy that's only been mapped in a very small percentage point by the entire player population. So it is it is an interesting game in that respect. Is it? Well, I mean, <laughs> so a gentleman by the name of Commander Malibu. Uh, just clocked his 2,000th hour in the game. Commander Malibu, we salute you. Um, so he, <coughs> he got, uh, in this game, you can explore systems of planets until your heart, you know, to your heart's content. And he decided that he was going to explore planets in the pattern of the developer, uh, which is, ooh, what is the name of the developer? Uh, how did this guy do this? Because I, I hear he's got to take a lot of cases as the uh, California detective driving a Ferrari around the planets, Mr. Uh, Mr. The player called Malibu. Uh, Captain Malibu. Sorry, it's the Elite Dangerous logo that he's drawn in space by virtue of his um, of his jumps through the systems, his, his route that he planned. In total, he made 6,500 jumps and traveled 375,000 in-game light years uh, as reported by Kotaku. So that is pretty wild because, wow, how many hours did this take him? 30 days. Takes him a whole month. That is, that is dedication. Have you ever done anything like that, Dan? Have you ever, I don't know, spent an enormous amount of time in a game doing something more or less irrelevant just for the heck of it? I, you know, I can only, I can only think of a couple things off the top of my head, like maybe Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike shooting words into walls and and whatnot. Right. This is the type of thing, Andy, that I don't know the mechanics of the game. I don't know if there's like crazy refueling together to do or something to gather resources. But to do this this type of thing, this is the kind of thing I approve of cheating for. You know what I mean? If he was like, oh, I wrote a script to, to, to do it all in one shot. Like if you caught him and you're like, you're banned for cheating. He's like, well, I just built a script to make this thing to do this thing to draw the symbol in your game. I'd be like, unbanned. Go as you were, sir. As you were. As you were. Yeah. A pretty, pretty hefty amount of dedication on his part. Um, Money I think, wasn't my motivation. <laughs> What's this quote? I think I remember. So do you remember Reddit for the bitches? Do you remember Red Faction? I do. Yeah, Red Faction was a great game, and I believe it was like the first game came out on PS2. The first game to really play with, I think what they called it was geo mod technology. So it was a first person shooter where you could actually blow up chunks of the landscape around you, which mm-hmm. you know it, it's almost like they built the game around that core tenet because the whole game is set on like a space asteroid slash mine. So you've got an ample opportunity to sculpt the landscape out of rock that can then be destroyed with rocket launchers or, or machine guns or whatever. I think I recall um, spending an inordinate amount of time in the multiplayer with nothing but bots on, sculpting myself like a perfect house out of this rock. It, uh, it probably is my still to this day my longest played first-person shooter, and most of the time I spent not even shooting anybody. Wow. My man, that is deep. Question, is this pre or post Minecraft? Oh, well before. Yeah, it was a PS2 so, title, so it came out so in like you, early 2000s. It was basically you or the guy that made Minecraft that were going to come up with that game. Because you squeezed 
like the juice of what Minecraft is out of a game that only gently suggested that it was possible. Right. I never thought of it that way, but when you put it uh, in that light, I guess I really am a genius. So what's coming to mind A visionary, here is, if you will. Uh, some kind of god. Walt Disney-like. Um, <laughs> the thing that comes to mind now that we say that is... Now that we know that building- Dan is uh, <laughs> a foremost member in the church of Walt Disney... Uh, Please continue, you know, I Father. Was, I was more, I was more alluding to like the Kanye West, like declaring himself Walt Disney. So Walt Disney is dead. I'm dead. Today, where we reveal that the Purple Dungeon Squid podcast is really an elaborate front for cult propaganda in the worship of Walt Disney. Yeah, this is a Illum- this is an Illuminati type thing. You know, he had a pa- a paper route where he delivered thirteen hundred papers a week, and his dad took all the money. Um, from him, he didn't get to keep any of it. Walt Sorry, Disney, Disney was a fighter, dude. Disney, yeah, he was Disney a badass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this is no, mm-hmm. uh, this is no pampered Elon Musk character. This is a, a dyed in the wool hard ass from the real streets of uh, of Hard Knocks. Okay, well, listen, uh, a Disney didn't didn't put any fucking shuttles into space, so like, let's not let's not put it too hard to Musk. Listen, man, uh, but <laughs> Mickey Mouse is his own shuttle. You know, you can only get so far from, like, the seat of the Great Depression. Like, Musk has stepped on a couple shoulders, <laughs> you he's know, been, to, to he's put been something into along space. The way. I mean, if you look at it he's from like, a strictly... He's like, listen, somebody was kind enough to take care of polio for me, so I didn't have to dodge that whole polio bullet. Right. He was, And that, you know, <laughs> listen, it's really a beautiful full circle, uh, almost Buddhist philosophy around, um, around the elevation from Disney to... Uh, to uh, Elon Musk. At this point, I'm starting to see how you've insidiously turned me in the direction of Walt Disney. Well done, heretic. Uh, Dale Carnegie, how did you uh, manage to be so successful? Uh, Remembering people's names, positive attitude, and I didn't dive tuberculosis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. Um, Seattle. So Seattle is uh, doing some stuff. Seattle's got some stuff going on. Stuff, you say? What manner of stuff? So Seattle has recently decided to clear over 500 cannabis convictions dating back to the 1980s, which I say is great, but also strikes me as slightly surprising that it hasn't been done already because cannabis has been legal in Washington state for what, two, three years now? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a little been a little bit, uh, but you know, they say, and they say the, the legislative wheels don't turn very fast and, um, they, they really start to turn slower when the prospect for the judicial department, the state judicial department is, hey, did you want to lose a lot of money adjudicating cases that you're going to lose? And they're like, ah, we're not going to wait for these 500 appeals to come in. We're going to just uh, make a move. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so the um, the gentleman who said he or who is kind of the head of this of this initiative is city attorney Pete Holmes. Okay, that's interesting. So I guess yeah, it is a city a city thing, right? Like Seattle, not just um, any region of Washington, but specifically the city is uh, the the governing body that's decided to to go down this path. And so city attorney Pete Holmes said that he was inspired to take action on these past convictions because of a well known racial disparity in marijuana enforcement. I got you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean. That, that seems to be a line that gets sort of drawn, um, you know, on a color line, people that get charged for marijuana possession. And I mean, especially we're talking about 
542 people that were charged of misdemeanor possession right meaning they're not they're not part of the 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 term slinging dope they have you know a little bit of weed on them and in in it's different in canada so uh, andy maybe you don't know like if so if a cop found a little weed on you it means he found somewhere under 10 grams right right and you're gonna have to write an essay about how you didn't want to do it you shouldn't have done it and you're not going to be an addict in the states a little bit of weed is the resin they found in your ashtray <laughs> interesting you know a little bit of weed is that pipe that they found in the back of your car that had residue in it like the the law gives them a lot gives law enforcement a lot of latitude to to lay some weed on you and charge you in a pretty serious way yeah no doubt no doubt well i mean it, you know reading down the article a little further on mary jane um california is also you know not not particularly spent a lot of time uh pardoning people who have been charged with misdemeanor possessions or what have you um, and you know it, it it brings brings to light the fact that um, there's a financial burden on the uh, on the individuals who have been charged with these crimes, for example, yeah, um, yes. to actually prove themselves or or have the record expunged. So they actually have to spend a little bit of cash after California legalized in order to clear up a charge that happened before legalization. It's it's kind of crazy that they now have to go back where the law has effectively been like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's legal because it's a good thing. But when you did that thing before, you're still you're still dealing with that. It's your problem. You know, it's pretty wild. Uh, and I mean, it's it's how unsadly intelligent bureaucracy works. They go, it's not up to us to remember which of you we charge with misdemeanor uh, drug crimes. You come and tell us about it, and we'll check. <laughs> Well, more specifically, For a little bit of cash. Yeah, more specifically, your lawyers. <laughs> your lawyers can <laughs> come and tell us at uh, you know a, a rate of two hundred dollars an hour. I bet you there's there's lawyers that are making boilerplate like forms to just submit. You know what I mean? Right. I I mean I, they might not even be worth the lawyers' ter- time. You know, one document to submit, some cash. I don't know. It's like I get, or maybe they treat it like a normal pardon. Uh, mm. Either way, uh, you know, I, I think states are are ready to make money off. Uh, this rather than lose money and they're they're kicking it off because otherwise it does cost them money to go through appeals you know what i mean if everybody just started appealing um but you can listen more to that about and during my legal procedure <laughs> podcast called bong in order <laughs> i'm sitting here like have i just my brain is just on one, on one side the- of law there there's the police on the other side there's people getting high as fuck in the middle is the judicial part party boom boom bong in order bong in order yeah incredible um boy that uh, that was more legal mambo jumbo than i want to conga under for a long time um, is anybody still listening to the podcast ron ron are you still there hello ron Hey, uh, High Times has blessed us with another insightful, interesting article. And I don't mean to sound so scathing, but it, I, I really had a smile when I when I found this article. It's nine ways to incorporate weed into your personal aesthetic. It's like Number one, incredible. actual weed. You know, you've been, and like, I have so much respect for High Times. It's, it's the yeah. publication of our industry. Fair enough. Um, it's hard for us to throw mud from our our our, our video game weed smoking podcast. Yeah, real hard, real hard to do that. But it's just like it's symptomatic of having written articles about weed for the last whatever thirty five years. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like 
at one point, you're just going to have to go too deep on an article, you know? So how do you incorporate weed into your daily style? Number one, invest in weed art. Mm. Fascinating. What are, we, what are we talking about? What I mean, what about? I'm seeing here is what appears to be a, a woven rug of Willie Nelson playing a guitar. <laughs> That will do it. I mean, that listen, will do it. Why not? Why not? Uh, you know, a commemorative Bob Marley painting done in the style of uh, the you know a, a Campbell's soup commercial. Yeah, I was thinking like Bob Marley and other support like uh, various weed icons at like a Lord's at a like Last Supper Lord's table type thing. That's what you want, really. Yeah. 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 I, so tell you what, high times. I agree. Uh, anytime I can get some weed art in this uh, in this old house, I, I feel like I'll have to dive in. Now, I'm sure it'll be promptly burned at the stake um, by the other people who live here. But for the small period of time that it is hanging in my domicile, I will enjoy. Uh, number hey two, guys, I just I just got to express myself, you know. No, I guess it's expressing away. Make your social media presence for twenty friendly. Hey, Andy, is this? It, like high times is either like a bunch of writers that get baked and think of these things or it's like a political think tank that's like <laughs> tell them to make their social presence known they've all put money into the green stock to like tell everybody how great it is and socially normalize it get out there and make it part of your social media i mean like we can't really say much because we do have a, a social media feed with quite a lot of weed related content but it seems kind of strange maybe it doesn't i don't know you decide I, I mean, ask yourself a question. Every listener here right now, ask yourself, you think my boss would fire me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this article is like how to indoctrinate yourself into weed culture. Fascinating. Number three is develop a green thumb. Grow some mm. weed. Okay. I, I can incorporate weed into my fashion aesthetic by growing some weed. It seems like the wrong reason to grow weed, but I mean, it seems a little misguided. It's like a personality thing. Like I... I, I grow weed to make me myself a better person. Sure. And then work out with weed is the next tip. Like how is this mm -hmm. a how is this a personal aesthetic thing? This just seems <laughs> Is your personal like, aesthetic like is is that emblematic of like your lifestyle? Is this like <laughs> It's a it's a straight what a strange like proposition. How to incorporate weed into aesthetic your it's like means brand like, like how to put weed into your brand that's so it like work out with weed and then you know what, what so is, are you is this a self-satisfaction thing or like if it's an aesthetic thing to, to be experienced by other people i'm now working out high so that other people know i'm working out high so <laughs> andy i gotta get thing. my little i gotta get my 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 pen here and right at the end of nine ways to incorporate weed into your personal aesthetic i have to put on the end here on Instagram. <laughs> On Instagram. There you go. Make marijuana part of your relationships. I feel like we've mm -hmm. I've, we've just gone too deep high times. <laughs> but I was expecting like some some funny photos of weed pendants or something. Wow, this is this is like this is super meta. So, Andy, without reading the 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 paragraph here, where do you think they're going with this? What's their angle? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's boy. Good news. What they're okay. talking about is, the, in addition to cracking up with friends, it can have incredible effects on your romantic life. And they, they rhyme off such facts of 20% more sex. Oh, amazing. And uh, there's one other powerful aphrodisiac. You can smoke weed, eat some marijuana-infused chocolate, or use weed lube. Weed lube. That's how you get some more sexy time in the bedroom. Some Andy, weed I lube. got some good news for you. 
It makes penetration less uncomfortable. Oh, well, boy. that's going to help you. Oh God! <laughs> and that uh. goes doubly. That goes for if you're uncomfortable being penetrated, or you're penetrating something uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm gonna let you laugh in your quiet corner. This like, is the, this like is the, a <laughs> like a cactus. <laughs> My, this is uncomfortable. Oh, anyway, this is a strange article. High times. The next one is advocate for legalization as part of your personal aesthetic. <laughs> Seems like a strange reason to advocate for something. It's like the opposite of why you should advocate something, right? When I meet someone, I tell them the various things I am currently advocating for as part of my personal aesthetic. Uh, all right. Well, high times. I'm going to respectfully back out of this one. I feel I feel like maybe maybe that uh, that article goes a little bit too deep. Whew, boy. That's a good college try, though, really. Yeah. We can all agree. Yeah. Well, right on the green and two, but uh, had a hard time sinking the putt. Anyway. You know, I feel like that article, if written accurately, would be about, um, you know, uh, do you have a weed tie clip? No. What about socks? No. <laughs> that was what I was expecting. I was expecting links to all manner of extremely fun weed paraphernalia clothing. But hey, you know, not all of us can have bongs built into our Hawaiian t-shirts. It's a key feature, but right. It's, a, it's only for the 1%. Only for the 1%. Oh, boy, buddy, I think we should bring this one whew, squealing into the finish line here shortly. I think you had some litigational stuff you wanted to talk about for a good there European... some more procedural uh, minutiae that I wanted to go through. Can I, can, I, can I give you the high level so as not to die? Uh, <laughs> sure, give us the high level. I'm sitting here with the, the rest of the jury ready to take our decision. Yeah, uh, so... Um, Norway and uh, a good old Belgium have been taking the boots to the gaming industry in and around two things, refunds for digital pre-sales and what a loot box is. And where they've come down on is, hey, you got to let us refund any pre-orders we do. And uh, their argument back, the gaming industry is like, well, we don't operate in your country. And they're like, well, you do when you sell to us. So checkmate. So basically it's uh, stop doing what they're doing or pay a huge fine. Um, and I'm sorry, stop doing what they're doing, meaning you're not allowed to take. Sorry, you have to honor refunds on yes. all pre-orders. Like, exactly. for example, the after right the customer withdrawal. Yeah. Sorry, so after the customer's taken delivery of the game, so they go home and play it. You're they're then allowed to refund it within 14 days. So the specific one on this is regarding pre-orders, canceling a pre-order. Sorry, canceling a pre-order. I understand. Gotcha. So the other portion on this one is, uh, and you might be thinking that because it's reminiscent of Australia's big fight with Valve uh, around doing refunds, and Valve and Australia really bumped heads, and this was about after you'd taken uh, receipt of the game, right. and uh, they ended up being fi- fined, uh, Valve was fined $3 million uh, Australian dollars and uh, required to uh, provide refunds in situations where A, um, the game is not up to snuff or B, mm, something else. It wasn't advertised as it, like it wasn't delivered as advertised. So, um, you know, so for Valve, out of curiosity, you know, the dollar at one point was based on gold bullion. What do you think the Australian dollar was based on? Wallabies? Uh, uh, without being too ignorant, I would say uh, maybe sand dollars. <laughs> they found off the coast didgeridoos didgeridoos well, uh, well, i like that yeah, you, i yeah. like that you took a left turn at ignorance and then did a 360 and kept going left there was some there were some uh sections of pie graphs involved 
Uh, so s- secondarily, they've also declared loot boxes to be gambling, um, which also carries a huge fine. It's 800,000 um, pounds. If the, some titles like uh, FIFA, uh, Overwatch, uh, and a, a third game, Counter-Strike, um, don't stop uh, offering loot boxes. And when children are present, the fine doubles. Oh, and did I mention it's also up to five years in prison? I'm sorry, five years in prison for selling a loot box? Yeah, yeah, after they're given sort of the, the, the judgment that this is gambling, you don't do it here, and if you do, there's consequences. That is incredible. Now, I don't think Belgium is going to annex wherever these countries are, these companies are, but, uh, like, I don't know, who do, who do you arrest, the CEO? I, boy, tough to say, tough to say. Someone in the mailroom for sure. Bad news, Jansen. <laughs> yep. Five years. Oh, yeah, it does seem extreme. <laughs> that's inc- <laughs> that's incredible. It's too bad because as an unpaid intern, an intern, we can't have even legal protect you. So oh, tough luck. Tough luck. Won't even have to pretend. Oh. Ooh, alrighty, Dan. Well, I think that's just enough legal eagling for one day. Um, on a parting note, Stardew Valley is beta testing their multiplayer right now, which sounds just More awesome. Like on a partying note. Ooh, on a partying note, indeed. Good, good pun. And at the same time, are you a Stardew Valley fan? Nah, dog. Yeah, you, ha- you ha- like you- you're morally against it, or you just haven't dipped in. Haven't dipped. Gotcha. Uh, in theory, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it's that uh, it's that nonstop uh, action known as Farm Simulator meets Harvest Moon meets uh, well, just really both of those things in a beautiful, well presented fashion. And now you can I do it. I just need a couple more bushels of apples, Andy. Apples, wood rough patches of earth you name it um it's got got it it all and now you can do it together with a friend so i think that this is something that i would like to play with you my good man maybe we can nestle down put on our corn straw hats Uh, i don't know if they're corn or straw time will tell Uh, and uh you know get into some stardew valley together maybe grow an enterprise i like this i like this now um you're gonna have to handle the shoveling of the shit though that's the one caveat boy is that not how it always goes <laughs> all righty folks listener questions or games you want us to play hit us up at purple dungeon squid at gmail.com and uh let your dear dearest friends know about the level of professional audio podcasting that we're presenting here at pdsq beyond reproach beyond reproach beyond indeed repro- beyond reproach or really beyond obligation so when you look at it th- that way that story writes itself yes sir make sure you follow us on instagram at purple dungeon squid until next time uh, keep it dank my friends fuck i am high